0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Good morning to you. Hope you're having a great Monday morning, (laughs) you're back at it. Doesn't that feel good? You know, you just sit there the whole weekend looking down the barrel of your Monday. And now you're back. Ah, yummy. Welcome to the program, man. We got a great show for you today. Of course, uh, it's Monday. So on Mondays, we like to do a recap of all things political. Joe Cannon will be in studio with us, our Washington Insider. Man, we got a lot to talk to him about. Trump still out there Trump, trumping. He landed. He, he had a little visit last, uh, I think, over the weekend to the border, and uh, it looked like a presidential visit. He landed in Trump uh, Trump One. It's like Air Force One. Had all the security there that you can imagine. A little wind blown. Put on his white hat. I mean, how symbolic. He w- he wore the white hat in Texas. Anybody that wears a white hat in Texas. You know they're the good guy, and uh, you know went there, changed the world there. Uh, didn't I? Don't remember him really starting any new fights over the weekend. Kind of beating up some people. We'll talk to Joe Cannon, find out uh, what's going on with Trump. Plus, it sounds like Hillary Clinton's starting to get a lot of pushback, more pushback than ever on the uh, on her her uh, email gate. Now people are talking about it again. Apparently, some of the inspectors general have have been pushing uh, their investigations back to the Department of Justice, which is interesting. So now the DOJ may get more involved. Who knows what that's going to mean? Holy cow. It's crazy. Plus, just uh, some of the latest uh, polls. We'll, We'll get into that. Just some great stuff. I had a great weekend. Now, in Utah, we had a holiday Friday. And Friday, I floated the river. There's a river uh, right here close to where we're broadcasting from called the Provo River. And you just go get in a tube, and you float down the river. It's pretty fun. Have you ever done that, Never done that. You've never done it?
3: No, but my husband's from this area, and they did it all the time when they were young. Heard it It was fun. It is
2: is way fun.
3: Is there enough water?
2: Oh, tons of water. Freezing water. (laughs) Because the water apparently comes out of the dam at the bottom of the dam mm-hmm. where all the cold water is <laughs> so you don't want to get in the river actually floated it with uh, a, i'm not going to name names i won't drop names just because i didn't ask for permission to but uh one of the guys is a pro football player going pro this year wow he has just signed a four-year contract from
3: with a, what, what college from Can you the say university that? of utah
2: okay <laughs> <laughs> and so my kids thought he was the coolest guy in the world and then we we didn't know, really, who we were talking to and hanging out with. And then we also, um, for a prospective professional player who's also from the University of Utah. Wow. Hanging out with some University of Utah people. Great. Don't tell anybody uh, yeah, BYU Yeah, probably that.
3: around here. That wouldn't go over very well. It
2: wouldn't. I would love to hang out with BYU people. They just won't come with me. <laughs> but we float down the river, and we had like 25 of us. It's my family, my daughter's uh, in-laws, and their family, and we do it. It's just fun and then we stayed up at a cabin.
3: And you all had your own tubes like 25 yeah, yeah. wow.
2: But it's scary because you know, a lot of times you just end up in a bush. Just getting Hopefully totally bushwhacked.
4: <laughs> no, it's your scary because
2: there was a time that I thought I was going to lose my son, my youngest, cuz you you have to really plan ahead and be strong enough to kick yourself away from these trees mm-hmm. or these bushes that overhang the river. And if you don't, you're just kind of dead. But now, did you hear this story? There's two boys from Florida that are, is that part of your news?
3: That is, yes. That's very scary. Who?
2: They're 14. Like, 14-year-olds 14 are getting, they just bought 100-something dollars worth of gas. You no, know, 100 gallons of gas, I guess. A ton of money. Yeah. They're just going fishing. Yeah. Man, what were you doing at 14? Floating the river.
3: Floating the river. <laughs> yeah, much, much uh, safer than going out in the ocean, for it's sure. It's embarrassing, because yeah. that
2: Provo River is a great fly fishing river, and... We, all I did, I think, pretty much the entire time was ruined every Fly Fisherman's Day. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Were there a lot of
3: people doing it? There were
2: a lot. But you can't control your tube. No. I mean, well, I'm not a professional tuber. It's just not my gig. It's not my gig.
3: How, how how long did it take you to go down?
2: It takes about an hour. It takes about two hours because you got to drive up in a bus that like feels like you're going to camp. Just a nasty, dirty old bus with a bunch of sweaty people on it. And then you just get in the cold river and for the first 10 minutes your feet are freezing and you're like, why am I doing this? What a waste.
3: And then you get totally numb. And
2: then you're numb and then it's just super fun and then you hit a branch and then you're like, why am I doing this? And then it's fun.
3: The pioneers did not do that, I don't think.
2: You really ought to try it. It really is a fun activity because you you then have 20 you know increments at about four 20-minute sessions of just being able to hang on to each other's tube and you just talk.
3: Did you sing songs? No,
2: no, no. Oh, no. 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 You got to be quiet for the fishermen. <laughs> it's fun. Try it out. Try it out. Hey, uh, let's get to our headlines. Kathy Aiken with uh, today's headlines.
3: Good morning, Matt. Fiat Chrysler is preparing to pay a record $105 million fine for mishandling safety recalls on millions of vehicles. Part of the settlement has the carmaker buying half back half a million Ram pickup trucks built between 2008 and 2012, this due to defective steering. Reports also show major issues on certain Jeep Grand Cherokees and Liberties that have rear-mounted fuel tanks. At least 75 people have reportedly died in post-crash fires due to those fuel tanks.
5: There's no way to defend what, what Fiat Chrysler was doing, uh, and whether it is a, uh, a, a matter of commission or omission, the, the reality is, is that consumers uh, were not protected in this situation.
3: That was Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox. The penalty is the largest ever imposed by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. President Obama is in Ethiopia urging the nation's leaders to stop crackdowns on the freedom of press and urging political openness. His comments on political freedom coming after the May elections in Ethiopia where the ruling party won every seat in Parliament. Obama's trip is the first visit by a sitting U.S. president in that country. A new NBC Marist News poll shows Donald Trump leading the Republican presidential race in New Hampshire with 21 percent of the vote. Jeb Bush is at 14 percent with Scott Walker at 12. In Iowa, Walker is ahead at 19 percent and Trump at 17 percent. That's followed by Bush at 12 percent. Trump said he's not surprised by the numbers.
2: I'm not that surprised
5: because I see the kind of a crowd we're getting. We're getting the biggest crowd and we're getting by far the biggest ovations. And these are great people and they want to see this country turned around. I want to be nice by saying in the wrong direction, but much worse than that.
3: Despite the poll numbers, Trump's unfavorable rating is the highest, just ahead of Hillary Clinton. Hundreds of searchers continue to look for two teens who disappeared while fishing off the coast of South Florida. The Coast Guard found the capsized boat belonging to the two 14-year-olds, but there has been no sign of the boys. They were last seen heading out to sea Friday afternoon. The families are offering a $100,000 reward in the search. Six months after she was found unresponsive in a bathtub, Bobby Christina Brown has died. The daughter of Whitney Houston passed away last night at a hospice center in Duluth, Georgia. Ironically, her death was similar to the way her mother died three years ago. Bobby Christina was just 22 years old. And Matt, we found the top 10 best cities in America to raise a family. Where? Yeah. Holy cow. I'm we thinking it was Sandy, Utah, but they, yeah. they, they, they didn't make the Apparently top 10. Apparently not. No. Wallet Hub examined the 150 most populated cities. In Wallet the, Hub. Wallet Hub. Okay. And they looked at 30 key metrics such as cost of housing, quality of local schools and health care, as well as a place for fun and recreation. Okay. So here we go. Number 10, Grand Prairie, Texas. Really? Nine, Colorado Springs, Colorado, mm. followed by Chesapeake, Virginia, Fremont, California, Madison, Wisconsin, and the top five, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Lincoln, Nebraska, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Plano, Texas, mm. and Overland Park, Kansas.
2: Look at how many are middle America. Yes,
3: exactly. And See? how many of those places have you been to?
2: Uh I've been to every other st- all of the states.
3: All of the states <laughs> like I don't know if I've been
2: cities. into but isn't that interesting because we always think of, you know, the coasts. Yeah. That's where you'd want to raise your kids. Right. Yeah. But no, Middle no. America. Middle four America, of the top, top five.
3: Ten in- Best places to raise your family, yeah. Holy Plano, cow. Texas, I've been there. Very nice. Except in August when you're, it's so incredibly yeah. humid it's, that yeah. it's, it's hard to breathe.
2: But great for your pores.
3: Very good for your pores. Honestly,
2: they need to study about your pores. <laughs> Best places for your pores. But that then, would be where one. Where else? One. Kansas?
3: Kansas. Overland, Kansas? Overland Park, Kansas mm-hmm. was number one. Yeah. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, number five. Interesting. So see. Sioux Fremont, Falls. California, so the only one there out uh, that far west, yeah.
2: Isn't that From, crazy? California. I they, was in
3: Fresno over the weekend.
2: How was that? It was
3: in. You know what? That's where uh, our middle son yeah. served uh, LDS Church mission, yeah. and we went back to meet some of the people. Wonderful people. Was it great? It was amazing. You drive for miles and miles and miles, see grapes, and it's Everywhere. just farm country. Yeah, and uh, you know Would you live in Fresno? I don't think I could live there. It was very hot. Uh, what was funny, though, I say that we came back. It was hotter here yeah, when, we, when we landed in Salt Lake City. It was a
2: balmy 100 degrees here, wasn't it?
3: Was it? We well, was 97 when we landed. But oh, was, oh, and oh. then we get home and our power was off. And so we were <laughs> <laughs> dying of the heat. Isn't that great? Yeah, and then you're so grateful when the air conditioner comes back.
2: But, you know, families that sweat together yeah. are wet together.
3: Thank you for that. Okay, I, it's, I, profound. I that. That it's, no, it's profound. I heard that. No, I just made it up. For a Monday, uh, that was very profound. It's pretty profound.
2: <laughs> it's early too, so, but that's why you need to go float the river.
3: I need to get seriously and float do it with your wind. family. Yes, that sounds like a great it,
2: time. Honestly, if it doesn't kill you, it will make you stronger.
3: Well, I can't wait to hear who the football player was when we're off the air.
2: I know. I'm going to tell you. It's way <laughs> big. Oh, I wish we could just talk about it. But hey, by the way, the guy can. The guy's got some leap too. Not to brag, he's a big jumper hey uh, we're going to take a break when we come back speaking of big jumper Joe Cannon is going to be joining us he's our Washington Insider we're going to be talking all things politics try to figure out uh, what is the real Trump effect what's going on there and uh, who, who has the advantage with Trump in the game and so many of the pundits are like oh yeah there's no way Trump will win but is there no way Trump can win tell Trump that We'll take a break, my friends. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. It's Monday morning, which means we're talking all things uh, political Joe Cannon's joining us. Joe uh, was a former chairman of the Utah Republican Party, was a candidate for US Senate, also served as an assistant administrator of the US EPA uh, agency under the um, under President Reagan and was also an editor of the Deseret News and uh, which is a which is a major morning paper here in the mid in the Intermountain area. But uh, so Joe's our Washington insider. He again doesn't like to believe he's as connected as he is, but he totally is. Because I bring up a name and he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I had lunch with him Thursday." It's Not quite that, but yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty much like that. Joe, Joe, welcome, my friend. Thanks for having me, Matt. You, you rode your bike here today. Your bicycle. I did. I did. You're so fit.
5: I am not fit. You asked me if I was a big bicycler, and the answer is I'm big and I'm a bicycler, but I, I have strong re- legs.
2: <laughs> yeah. But you know, you're going to go up a canyon right now. How many yeah. miles will you do today?
5: Probably not more than 30 today. 30 miles?
2: Dude, I get tired driving 30 miles <laughs> in my car.
5: 30 miles isn't that far on a bike. But 30
2: miles, so it's probably 15 up. 15
5: yeah a Provo canyon up South Fork and yeah
2: hey when was the last time you floated the Provo River
5: I have never it, it happens to flow in my backyard and our grandkids play a lot in the river but I've never floated you gotta the go Provo do it river. with your kids you know, it's so a couple fun. a couple of Saturdays ago my a uh, couple of my grand sets of grandkids and their moms and dads went kayaking on the river yeah but uh, I haven't that ever looks done fun it too yeah
2: I guess there's no way – to. I think it would be fun because I almost lost a son who ended up floating by everybody. So he would have floated down to your house, I guess. Could have. (laughs) Next time I'll just come hang out at your backyard to get him. Hey, Joe, what is the deal? Okay, Trump still ticking everybody off A, but he's getting some seriously big poll numbers as far as – the, the field of 16 is concerned.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, if you're a Republican or an independent and you generally kind of hate politics and you in general and many politicians in specific, Trump is a very attractive looking guy. You know, he's, yeah. just, he's a big mouth. He mouths off. He's not afraid, quote, afraid to say anything. He might be afraid to say something substantive. I mean, he's a little <laughs> bit hard on that. Yeah. But, but you know, he, he he's up there and says what a, a lot of
2: people think. Uh, on a lot of subjects, and is that the appeal? The appeal is, and he takes on the press like crazy. Yeah, and
5: people love that. I mean, the the press isn't very popular sometimes, and and they do live in a in a little bit of a bubble, and uh-huh. they live in a, a very a fairly constrained space where people act. You know, you can expect people to act within reasonable bounds. And yeah. and then you get uh Donald Trump who's several standard deviations off the norm and <laughs> how you act uh with the press and with the public and all of a sudden you got a guy who is is attractive to a certain cohort of people. Is
2: he is he maxing out I mean, is he really the guy that can only pull twenty percent and he's got his twenty percent? I mean, is he? I mean, I don't know what the number is, but there yeah. is a number like that. Is it twenty? Is
5: it twenty-five? I don't know. I doubt that it's that much for actual voters who are going in to get out Iowa of who are going to go to their caucuses. Right. I, I kind of think they they might be saying, "Okay, this guy's fun. We've had our date. We've had a little fling, but now we actually have to get somebody who might be president of the United States, and it's not going to be the Donald." Is he?
2: Is it seems like he's he's got a certain group of people that really like what he's saying is he is there anybody that can take his people away who who would they go with if it's not going to be bush cuz he's stealing from bush isn't he who's he stealing from
5: well i i mean i don't know he he's probably Probably a, a good chunk of his support are tea partiers. Probably a lot of them are just people who, like I say, don't like this system. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in that sense he probably is taken
2: away from a from a Bush. But um, so if he's out of the race, I'm trying to figure out who gets who kind of gets the the stick up to the they, press. They vote. Might,
5: well. And it could be a Ted Cruz. Uh-huh. It could be a Rand Paul, who's sort of been dormant lately. Yeah. Uh, both of those guys uh, don't mind at all sticking their thumb in the you know poking the press in the right. eye.
2: Yeah. I really, um, I for the first time saw Kasich, Governor Kasich, and he's actually getting some really good poll numbers out of New Hampshire. He had se- he went from zero to seven uh, to seven percent, I guess, of the vote. Yeah, in New Hampshire, which is a pretty big jump. In fact, they're saying that's pretty much the biggest story outside of Trump making noise. Well, I think Kasich is a big
5: story. I I think uh, it it would be one of the big anomalies if on August sixth of the debate they don't have Kasich. I know he's a a popular sitting governor in the most important state to the Republican Party. Uh, personable,
2: very personable, yeah. and kind of will take on. In one yeah, of his he's interviews, quirky. shes yeah. he's corkish too. Yeah. He really. Is. So I was thinking maybe he's a guy that would take on the press a little bit.
5: He could. Oh, he he definitely could take on the press. He he has in the past, but he. Uh, I don't think he's the natural inheritor. No, of he's going to have to fight it. The, isn't the it? Trump
2: troops. Okay. Yeah. So Trump's in there, and what do you think? Because all of the pundits you hear say, "Well, he'll never." Win the nominee or the nomination. He'll never be the nominee, and they say that so matter of fact. Except he keeps he blows up McCain, offends every POW and every veteran, and yet still is is taking off in the in the polls. How do we explain that? Well, he's still got pull. Yeah. I, I guess I would
5: push back a little bit on taking off. He he may have hit the speed of light. I mean, there Maybe is a yeah. limit. There's a limit to uh, his to his appeal, yeah. I, I believe. And even a lot of those people are are dating. You know, they're yeah. not, they're thinking, okay, but now we're going to get married. And are we mm-hmm. really going to marry the Donald? Are we going to marry a guy who, you know, ha, ha, he'd be just an embarrassment as president of the United States? And again, yeah. he he's not going to win.
2: Um, See, what everybody says that. And does he just sit there and say, OK, yeah, of course
5: you're... he does. So he's got a huge ego. And, of course, in his mind, Let's take that uh, on. the polls are going up, you know, the sky's the limit. Man, he's there. And as he said over the weekend, you know, I'm going to fund myself. I'm not going to be like those weasels,
2: uh, Bush mm-hmm. and Clinton. You know, I, I can I can afford this and I'm going to do it on my own. Wouldn't it be interesting? And for the first time ever, I think this week was when he actually addressed being a third party candidate. If he's not going to be treated well by the Republicans, I'm taking he'd my go ball and going home. Right. Yeah,
5: he's a total Trump tactic. Yeah. yeah, if you don't like me, I'm going to pick up my ball and go home. And you know that's a that is a. a a complete possibility. He I, could easily run as a third party. He's got the ego. He's got the money. He could be Ross Perot and he could get another Clinton elected just like Ross Perot got Hillary's husband elected. Donald Trump could get – in fact, I, I saw kind of an Onion-type mm-hmm. article. Uh, I don't know if the listeners to Onion. Yeah, I does love these Onion. <laughs> uh, parody articles uh, saying that that really – He and and Hillary have a long term unknown pact with each other that he's going to get her elected, and this is how he's going to do it. Yeah, he'll run. Oh, wow. I mean,
2: that's a joke. Joke, but but, maybe there's some truth to it. Um, But it also seems like what an interesting not that it would happen, but Hillary or a Clinton Bush run. With a Trump in between. But see, is it not possible that Trump – because in order for Trump to have a, sh- a shot of winning even as a third-party candidate, he'd have to beat Clinton up, major. And he almost seems like the only guy that could do it. He would go after both, but uh, he would. He already does go after everybody. Yeah. Not,
5: no one's. Uh, uh, and that's
2: why Hillary uh, loves this because she's yeah. not the source of his pain right now.
5: Well, and Yet. and he won't take any votes from, from Hillary. Okay. So, uh, so it would all he doesn't need him. to win. He's, he. When I said a minute, minute ago, he's not going to win. There is not going to be a third party president. That's not. It's going to It's never going to happen. And and so it's not going to be him. So just say he gets ten percent of the vote, which is uh, or twelve or fifteen yeah. percent of the vote. Uh, all that's going to do is is elect uh, Hillary and uh, defeat the Republicans.
2: You know, um, and since
5: he's not really a Republican anyway until very recently, is well, kind right. of a born-again Republican. I don't think he cares that much about it. He'll have his big fling and
2: – Well, and it's a really interesting thing too because he also offended some of the more Christian conservatives when he's like, I don't ask for forgiveness from God kind of right, thing. Right, right, yeah. So it's – he's a really interesting – Candidate I, that I guess is really just less of a candidate, but more of just the anti-establishment, he's, anti—he's a, phenom- a phenomenon. Phenomenon, yeah, and,
5: and, uh, you can't—I mean, the guy is brilliant in what he's done so far. But as I say, trees don't grow to the sky. There's a there's a limit. The things that can't go on won't go on.
2: And, and yeah, and at some point, as they're they're really just vying for positioning to get in these. Which and I, let's come back and talk about that because it almost seems like we're setting up. In order to get everybody in for this um, debate, it's almost like you have to be radical or say something extreme to get enough of a poll. You just can't be the average Joe to get into the debate anymore.
5: Yeah. You have to be um,
2: on the fringe. Well, somewhere. I don't
5: know. I mean most of the candidates are pretty normal. I mean there are eight pretty much locked in candidates who are going to be at the debate and, and, and with the exception of Trump, they're – But like you
2: know, Kasich – can only get in by making by noise luck. right now. Right,
5: yeah, yeah, but he's not making radical noise. Right. He, he's, but Perry
2: feels an obligation to take on Trump. Trump, yep. And Fiorina take, has an obligation to take on Clinton. Everybody's got to make their name no. and they got to make it within the next week or so, right?
5: Oh, yeah, it's uh, less than two weeks. I, I guess the, to me the anomaly would be if you didn't have Kasich and you didn't have Fiorina, so the only woman. Yeah. Who's very, very sharp. I think she's handled herself really, really yeah, well. Um, and you didn't have the popular governor from Ohio. That would be really – seems like they need like in golf tournaments. They need a sponsor's uh-huh. choice, yeah, choice. Where, where you could yeah. get a, a couple of people in who would have otherwise made the cut because no, those agree. would be two really good people to have in that debate. I'd oh, like to wow. see Fiorina and Trump going against each other.
2: Well, let's talk about it too because I want to know the, the media side of this because it's giving Fox News a lot of power. Well, for the initial one. For this initial one. We'll find out. We'll talk more with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. He's also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can look up at fuelfreedom.org. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend, so stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, In studio with us this morning, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can find at fuelfreedom.org, lowering the prices of fuel for those of us here in the United States. And in fact, uh, Joe, the fuel prices are dropping. I mean, seriously, this is... Yeah. yeah. What is that? Because normally they're going up in the summer, aren't they? They normally do, and it depends on
5: where you are. For In yeah. California, they're going up. They're, at, they? they're in the $4 or near $4 again. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, we've had a, a drop in petroleum prices overall. I mean, it spiked up a little bit in the last few months, but it's, it's back down. I didn't check this morning, but it's in the $40, $45, $48 hmm. a barrel again, and that should have a good effect on, on prices.
2: And if the Iran deal goes through, hey, apparently... <laughs> Because you know, I don't know if you saw what Kasich said about uh he would he wouldn't cancel the Iran deal and he would send troops to fight ISIS. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So he's differentiating like
5: yeah. Yeah, that is a differentiation because uh I mean kind of most Republicans starting position is Pro Israel Pro Israel don't don't uh don't make that deal. Yeah. But it's. I mean, I guess guess somehow I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. See, you're 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 a better
2: political guy than I am (laughs) because I just read the headlines on real real clear politics. That's all you need to do. Um, But that's what I think. I guess is the differentiation is how are these everybody everybody you know in the GOP. A lot of them sound the same. Some of them are kind of they're they're differentiating a little bit. Some it seems are laying low. Bush seems to just kind of being quiet. Go raise money. (laughs) Yeah, Whatever yeah, he's doing. Mm-hmm. Stay out of the way. Some have to take Trump on. And meanwhile, no one's really focusing on the Hillary uh, deal. But except talk to me about what you're finding out about the, the or what you think about the Mailgate. is. In fact, today was the very first time I heard NBC News and I guess it was coming off of the weekend. Some of the talk shows they're They're all finally talking about the emails.
5: Yeah, the email. I mean, right now, Hillary Clinton is the greatest beneficiary of uh, Donald Trump. He's, He's sucking okay. all the all yeah. the, you know, political air. He's getting a lot of the attention, and and it's good for her. She's she's lying low. the The bad news for her is some of the things that could trouble her are hard to make go away. Uh-huh. Uh, either legally, as in the case of these two inspector generals, they're saying, well, wait a second. There, there might be some national security implications into this whole uh, server mm-hmm. uh, slash turning emails over slash deciding
2: what emails you're going to turn over or not. Um, and the slowness of it. And I mean, if all of a sudden the Department of Justice wants to investigate... Yeah, it's That's highly just,
5: unlikely that that will happen in this administration, but that doesn't mean the machinery won't be in place hmm. to keep going, and some judge, someplace, is going to say something, and he already has. Yeah. The, you know, in the case of uh, dripping out the State Department uh, uh, emails. So. This could be hard. I mean if you step back – to say this wasn't Hillary Clinton and just any person went to work for the State Department. They decided to set up their own private server and then decide in their own – in their own sole discretion which – Emails to turn over, and then say there was no, there are no national security implications, yeah. and then find out right, in the very first batches. Oh, well, you know, maybe there are. Maybe, well, maybe we should be looking at more of these things. Right. How do we? Who decided this? A lawyer slash uh, campaign consultant. I mean, who decided what gets how, turned over? Well, and how? it
2: doesn't? Is there? It seems like to me in the world of PR, it would might be better to just hand them all over quickly. Yeah, the, like as I said, the
5: the drip drip, the drip drip of this thing could be. Could have. That's how the Grand Canyon was created,
2: (laughs) just a slow drip, right? Is has there? When you think about it, you're a big historian. You love you love politics and history. Can you think of a recent election or just an election that had this much name calling? We have a lot of people being called idiots. Uh, Rick Perry's intelligence was questioned, and now uh, with Walker, um, in fact, Trump finally now feels unleashed to go start ridiculing Walker. What? have you ever seen such vitriol
5: well i haven't personally seen it although over even in our lives there have been a lot of uh, nasty elections but you, you know uh thomas jefferson's team called john adams a hermaphroditic freak <laughs> uh adams called jefferson the son of a of a mulatto whose mother was a, was uh you know not oh, mary heavens uh uh, pe- people criticized Andrew Jackson for um, marrying a prostitute. People accused John Adams of getting prostitutes for foreign leaders. I mean oh my there, there's actually so this has gone on. a pretty long history. Abraham Lincoln and um, um, Douglas, when they ran against each other, were uh, you know pretty nasty. <laughs> so, So the answer is America has a – I was going to say good long – a sad, (laughs) long history of nastiness in political campaigns.
2: Oh, my heavens. It's
5: it's too bad. I mean you think even our founders found ways to be kind of nasty to each other. They were
2: beating each other up. And again, I guess it almost – you have to, right? To get a voice heard, Perry has to come out and make this big, long statement about Trump.
5: Yeah.
2: Well – Yeah, I guess you can ignore him, but you're still not getting press.
5: You you do have to say something or do something to get press. And right now that's crucial because name ID is probably driving poll numbers. I mean one reason we talked earlier about Trump, one reason he's doing so well is – People have actually seen him on TV more than they've seen any of the other candidates. Right, they they know his name, and oh man, that guy's running for president. Well, maybe he'll fire some of those bad guys, and you know, whatever. (laughs) That's what we uh, need—is
2: someone to go fire people.
5: So yeah, so I I guess you'd have to differentiate differentiate yourself in a in some ways.
2: Did you hear what Huckabee said? Um, That uh, he had this line. uh, Obama is marching Israelis to the door of the oven. Did you hear that?
5: I did hear that. Yeah, that's
2: just yeah. unbelievable comment. So
5: I, I haven't ever mentioned this, but in one of the chapters of my life, I've been, and you've been very involved in the Holocaust Memorial Museum in in Washington. I was actually the only Gentile fundraiser really? for, the, yeah. for the museum and spent a lot of time with that. And that's... That statement's a bridge too far. I do Uh, think it's really wrong to ignore anti-Semitism in the United States on college campuses and in the world. There is a resurgence, a horrible, terrible resurgence of anti-Semitism. But Huckabee's statement's a bridge too far. It's not that's it's not right to say things like.
2: that. Do you feel um, like Joe Scarborough's um, co-host Micah? Right. uh, She basically said. It it should immediately disqualify him as a candidate. He well, you mentioned earlier some
5: people it. have to do something to get recognition. Huckabee is yesterday's news. Yeah, you know Huckabee Santorum. You know, okay, they had their run, and uh, I don't follow Huckabee. He's very pro-Israel, and, and there's no question about that. But and it uh, you could be you could feel really passionate about the president's right. position. But that's too much. It
2: it's, almost should be a rule for everybody. Don't bring up the Holocaust or Hitler. Yeah. You're just not going to compare. Anytime you bring that up, you're undermining those that died. You're undermining those.
5: Yeah. No, it's not It's not right. Though having said that, I'll, I'll come back. Uh, the rise of anti-Semitism is a very major problem yeah. in the world today.
2: If we would address it like directly like that, I think that's – and I think you've done a a great job of bringing it up regularly. It's just – I'm sorry I keep bringing it up. No, I love it. I love it because it's – I mean really, who's – nobody's thinking that way right now. Um, What else do you think we ought to be uh, worried about or watching when it comes to all of – I mean it's such a – again, it does feel like at times a clown car just with everybody calling each other's names and, and the whole Trump thing. What should we be looking for?
5: You know, I don't know what you can do about it from the outside. people run, they think they can win, they think uh I remember when Senator Hatch ran mm-hmm. uh, he uh, against Bush, he said, well, maybe Bush will fall, and I'll be there to pick up the mantle. I think that's the strategy of a bunch of the candidates on the Republican side. Well, maybe Bush will fall, maybe Rubio will fall, maybe Walker will fall, and, you know, maybe they will mm-hmm. I, so so you have people waiting in the wings to pick up the banner. On the other hand, you do have some pretty strong candidates. I mean, You say, look, you got the governor of Texas, sure. He, he had his faux pas and, yeah. and looked kind of silly, but governor of one of the strongest economic states yeah, in the country. right now. You, you've got a guy who's popular governor of, of uh, Ohio. You've got a, the governor of Louisiana. You've got the governor of uh, uh, New Jersey, the governor of Wisconsin, all of whom have pretty interesting stories to tell. Uh, in my view, with the exception of Kasich and Walker, probably n- none of them are likely to to get you anywhere. know, to make it into the front rank. So this debate may sort out some people, but the real sorting out isn't going to happen until the Iowa caucus. That, and so we've got, we've got more months of uh, – When this. is the caucus? So it is in January, I think. Maybe, uh, you
2: know. That's so a long time. Got, what, do you, what do you think about Rand Paul? It seems like he's making a smart move in trying to at least – corner of the market on IRS or uh, tax, rewriting tax code, tax law. Yeah.
5: So he's got a couple of things going for him. He And that's one of them. He, that, he's the new Steve Forbes. Uh, just a footnote, another one of my past lives, I was actually the treasurer of the Steve Forbes for President campaign Were you really? in 1996. Oh, wow. A huge fan and... And good friend of Steve, and he, uh, and and Rand Paul is picking that, picking that. Interesting. Unfortunately, yeah. the, there's a famous quip. Uh, Adelaide Stevenson gave a, a speech, and one of his aides came up. Governor, that was a wonderful speech. Every intelligent person in America is going to vote for you. <laughs> and Stevenson said, "Too bad. That's not enough. Yeah, that's
2: not enough, <laughs> is it?" And, and I, I think
5: the tax, the tax beat. It's not enough. Yeah. Uh, um, but he also has a libertarian strain and he also more genuinely than any of the other candidates really reaches out to minorities on the other side. Yeah, no, totally. So, so he's, he's got a fresh approach. The question is, is that going to work with hardcore conservative caucus-attending delegates
2: right. in Iowa? Don't so, know. Well, then that's the problem because I guess in Iowa, Rand Paul has got 5 percent. Yeah, he he's not catching fire there. It's interesting. Huckabee's got seven. Walker nineteen. Trump seventeen. So really, it is. It's still all politics is local, really. So these guys have to go in and just work it locally. Right.
5: Get around all those whatever ninety nine. Yeah. You know, Utah has twenty nine counties. Iowa has ninety nine oh, counties. Seriously. Think about that.
2: That's a lot of. That's a lot and of. And it
5: matters because it's the county level. That's right. You got to go one happen. by
2: one yeah. by one. Um, what do you think about how Obama's? Uh, working things now. I mean, really, it's almost like he's just slowly been picking off all of his promises that he said he was going to do. Now Guantanamo is back up on the 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 list. Here we go. Yeah.
5: Um,
2: I think the
5: President Obama doesn't care about his current favorability standings yeah. at all he's uh deadly committed to implementing the agenda that he started out to commit to 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 push and that's what he's doing
2: it seems like in a way he's he's uh, he's really going to get everything off his list it seems like a, some presidents walk away with a, a trade, an exchange where they couldn't get something on their list because they wanted something else more. In a way, it's almost like everything he's wanted, he's, he's, yeah, he's eventually going, going him, to yeah. get. No,
5: he, he could well do it. He could well do it. He Run the to, table. He wanted to, to transform America and he's <laughs> moved a very long way down the path yeah. of doing that.
2: You're, you just don't seem like – it sounds like it's a positive transform.
5: Well – I'm trying to be as neutral as I can <laughs> on your good. radio program. That's Matt. good.
2: <laughs> no, that's good. Anything else we need to be watching for? What else could we? What I mean, politically, it's an it's an interesting time.
5: It, it is. It's going to be really interesting. The politics of the Iran deal. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of um, you've got a. He's putting a lot of people in a really hard place, not not too many Republicans but people in his own party and Chuck Schumer said, yeah. you know the president's putting me in a hard position here um so what what the likeliest outcome is is that both houses will vote against the deal, and so lots of people can have a carry moment they could be for it before they were against it, uh-huh. so they can be against right. the deal." But then vote to support the president on the override. So he gets okay. his deal and they get to vote against it. Interesting. And that's, to me, that's likely going to happen. I think he's got enough votes in the House to override a veto. And, and if he does in the House, then it won't, won't really matter what mm-hmm. happens in the Senate.
2: It's a, it's a weird political deal too because there's just so many other hands in the deal. I mean Russia's going to make a lot of money I'm assuming from oil and – Maybe not oil, but arms. Arms, yeah, yeah. Sure.
5: No, no. Iran, China
2: uh, might get more oil.
5: They will get more oil and more. Although I think they're getting a lot of the oil already from Iran. I mean, Iran's. It's not like there's no oil going yeah. out of Iran, but there there will be more oil. They will unfreeze their assets, which
2: <laughs> hundreds of billions. some people
5: say 150 billion, and I heard Senator or Secretary Kerry say it's not really 150 billion. It, maybe it's only 50 billion. Uh, well, OK. It's billions. Billions it's of It's many, many cash. billions yeah. of dollars and that's a, a lot of money for terrorists, which is universally acknowledged yeah. that Iran is the single largest state sponsor of terror around the country. Well, with an avowed
2: enemy that they want to destroy. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's – Man.
5: It will be really the – next, the next few years will be very interesting. Yeah. In
2: that I mean it really will. Well, well, Joe, we appreciate you. you got to get on your bike ride. Thanks for having me. Be man. safe. Wear your helmet. I, I will. Look both ways. And everybody out there, watch for bicyclists. <laughs> you may see Joe Cannon passing you. Appreciate you. Joe Cannon, again, uh, go check out his website, fuelfreedom.org, and see what uh, he and the Fuel Freedom Foundation are doing to lower your energy costs here in the United States. We'll take a break, my friends. Come right back. Wrap this hour up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's, I don't know. If you have a vested, you know, interest in politics, you you could very well be frustrated right now. I guess it depends what side you're on. Some, again, are saying, you know, Trump is nothing more than the liberal, democratic, you know, hitman to get in there and blow up the GOP. And if it's the case, it's working. Can you imagine sitting there, you know, being whatever, a, a Walker, you know, strategist or a Bush strategist, a Rubio strategist, never really thinking of the Donald as an option? And now Donald is in every game and every interview you do, you must first answer a question about Donald Trump. Can you imagine how that throws your candidacy upside down? And if you're Hillary, you're back there just smiling. Oh, let them let let them battle. Is this the approach? Is this the way we choose our candidate? Is this is and how much of an impact do you think the press has on all of this? I mean, I guess it really depends on what you are thinking as a potential voter. But remember too, this is going to Iowa. Iowa is going to be, you know, we're going to 199 precincts. You're going to win Iowa one by one. Uh, then we'll go to New Hampshire. Then probably South Carolina or whatever's next, and we'll just keep going down the line, right? And if you think about it, the leaders, really, uh, minus I guess Trump, but the leader, the rest of the leaders in Iowa from the GOP are really different than those that are leading in New Hampshire. And because they're going after different groups, different markets, different targeted groups. It's just the political process. In the end, I guess, so as not to get too discouraged, maybe just start thinking about what are the issues that that really matter to you? What are the issues that need to be out there that aren't being talked about? Does trust matter to you? Does trustworthiness matter to you? Because some of these people that have the highest ratings have the lowest favorability rating. And uh, some of the people uh, like Hillary Clinton that has a really high poll number has a really low trust number. Does that matter to you? It's a really complicated process. And I could just see that in the end, this whole process might end up discouraging more voters than encouraging people to go vote. In fact, I'm going to just throw out there that I will bet the voter turnout will be lower than previous presidential elections, just a lot lower, in fact, simply because we started it earlier and it's turning into this race where everybody's being called names and we got to question everybody's intellect. And so, you know, just because Trump's leading, just because Clinton's leading, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved some way. If they don't, you know, if they don't really ring your bell and get y'all jazzed to go, to go vote, figure out what does, and and at least take a side. And if if it's not in a national election, get involved in your local politics. Again, we're only as strong as we are, you know, in our own communities, in our own world, in our own state, in our own city elections. So. Take it there. Take your battle there if you're getting tired of the national election. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, So appreciate you being with us. We'll be back next hour. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Take care. The program where we give you the ideas, the tools, the background, so that you can go live the life you need to live. You can make the decisions you need to make for your family. Our goal is also to hopefully help you see the good in the world. All things in this world are not just horrible. Sometimes you feel like that, right? You get inundated, overwhelmed, and you just don't know what to do with it all. Sometimes you just want to cry. But uh, if you're a man, are you allowed to cry? Of course we are. Of course. So why is it so hard for some men to share their feelings? Do you believe that it is harder for men to go share their feelings publicly? You know, there's many a dad that would have been saying, Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Come on. Come on. Don't cry. You may have been raised as a child that just was told, Boys, don't cry. Just rub some dirt in it. You'll be fine. Today on the show, we'll be speaking with Dr. Greg Enriquez, who's written um, an article for Psychology Today about that very question. He's going to be giving us some of the background and the insight we need to know about why it might be that for some men, it's just so much harder to share their feelings. We want a kinder, gentler world, right? We want a world of equality, but can men really share their feelings? If we we have a president of the United States break down emotionally and cry— Does that make the news or what? You can't be a crying president. Or can you? We'll be talking about it with Dr. Greg Enriquez. For me personally, I love a good cry. (laughs) I cry all the time. It's actually, I don't. It's really weird. I have a lot of boys that when they, I have five boys in my family, five sons. And when they see me tear up, they are like, what is happening? Something is not right here on earth. Dad's got fluid flowing from his eyeballs. What do you think? How do we change the idea that, you know, a guy can cry? I have a client that cries in movies. He won't cry anywhere else. The wife says, I've never seen him cry anywhere except in a movie. And we were talking about it. And he's like, oh, I love movies because it just lets me be emotional if I want to be emotional. And I can just blame it on the movie. And we asked him, "What? Why, why do, you, do you struggle just being that emotional in front of your spouse?" Well, yeah, she wants me stronger, and the wife's like, "No, I don't. I want you to be real." And he's like, "You can't handle real," and it started a huge fight. Emotion is it? Uh, where does it come from? Why might men be more uh, less likely to share their emotion, more you know, standoffish about their feelings, their emotions? We'll be getting into it. Doctor Greg Enriquez will be joining us. On that in just a few minutes, but before we do, let's have a good cry with Kathy Aiken as we go through the headlines. Kathy? Thank you,
3: thank you Matt. You bet. A new NBC Marist News poll shows Donald Trump leading the Republican presidential race in New Hampshire with 21% of the vote. Jeb Bush is behind at 14% with Scott Walker at 12 In Iowa, Walker leads Trump by 2%. Bush is third. Uh, despite those poll numbers, Trump's unfavorable rating is the highest, just ahead of Hillary Clinton. Meanwhile, RNC Chairman Reince Priebus said this morning he's not Trump will run as a third-party candidate, something that was hinted at last week. Fiat Chrysler is preparing to pay a record $105 million fine for mishandling safety recalls on millions of vehicles. Part of the settlement has the car maker buying back half a million Ram pickup trucks built between 2008 and 2012 due to defective steering. Reports also show major issues on certain Jeep Grand Cherokees and Liberties that have rear-mounted fuel tanks. The penalty? The largest ever imposed by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. West Virginia police are investigating whether a man killed there recently was a serial killer. Charleston police say 45-year-old Neil Falls tried choking a woman he met online. The woman was able to get free and shot him. After the shooting, police found several axes, a shovel, and handcuffs in his car. Officials are looking into the possibility Falls may have killed four prostitutes while living in Nevada from 2000 to 2008. Two 14-year-old boys re- remain missing this morning off the southern coast of Florida. Florida. The two teens were last seen heading out to sea Friday afternoon. The Coast Guard found the capsized boat and one flotation device belonging to the two, but no sign of the boys. The family is offering a $100,000 reward in the search. Six months after she was found unresponsive in a bathtub, Bobby Christina Brown has died. The daughter of Whitney Houston passed away last night at a hospice center in Duluth, Georgia. An autopsy is planned, though the medical examiner says the time from when she was found until her death may complicate efforts to reconstruct what happened. Bobby Christina was just 22 years of age. Ant-Man raked in just under $25 million over the weekend, edging out comedy pixels for the top spot of the box office. The superhero movie took first place for the second weekend in a row, raking in a total of $106 million domestically, $226 million globally. Boxing drama Southpaw came in third. Did you see Ant I haven't, Man?
2: I haven't seen it yet. I, tonight, I think I'm going to. Are you going to go?
3: I heard it's good. Yeah, I heard it's really good. I
2: heard he's really small.
3: Very small ants are very small. <laughs> so yes, he is very small.
2: I've heard a lot of it, uh, not just from one person. Terry South, our producer, won't stop talking about it.
3: So he went and loved it.
2: He's addicted. Really? Yeah. I he was talking heard. about Ant Man before any of us knew there was an Ant Man.
3: I'd never even heard of Ant I know. Man. Have you? Before no. the movie came mm. out? No.
2: Okay, I was like thinking he's an ant and a man. <laughs> I did not understand. You put
3: the two together, and he's an ant man.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's um, I'm gonna I'm hopefully gonna see it tonight. Except my problem is I'm pretty sure I'll be asleep. So yes. if I go to the movie tonight, I will fall asleep. You, you, I, I told my you need my to sons. wait
3: till you get your energy throughout the week. That Monday's hard on that early yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, it's
2: gonna be a crazy week. But my sons have all seen it, so I don't know. Do I go by myself? Because my, my wife and half of my family are out of town. They left me They left you again? Yeah. It's weird. That's
3: becoming a habit. It is. We used
2: to never do this, and now my wife's like, yeah, bye. I don't know. It's kind of like, I guess, rude. Are you
3: reading something into that?
2: No. No? (laughs) She just really likes vacations. (laughs) Well, no, it's her family's planning all of these things, and Mm -hmm. they don't seem to think about me. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they don't want me there. Hint, hint. Because it's almost like it will end up on my radio show.
3: Oh, good point. But what they don't understand is
2: that it can end up on my radio show either way. Uh I can either have real data because I was there, Mm -hmm. or I'll make up stories.
3: And which is worse?
2: Yeah. Great question. Probably the
3: latter.
2: (laughs) Yeah. In fact, because of that, I'll be making up stories all week about my extended family and in-laws. Oh,
3: I can't wait to hear them.
2: As they've taken my family away once again. Thanks, guys. Good job, Kathy. I mean, really, come on. Can a guy not have emotions? Without everybody getting mad at them. Uh, Do you believe it's harder for some men to share their feelings and emotions? Do you believe it's socially acceptable? Think about it. For the last 50 years, has it been socially acceptable for men to be highly emotional? Tears and just emotion. Or are we supposed to be the ones that are cold and, you know, clear-minded, no- Push of emotion. And where did all of that start? Is that just an inherent, you know, part of our DNA? That's just how men are? Or is it something that's socially constructed? Did the Greeks show a different level of emotion than uh, maybe the Romans? Hmm. We'll be talking about it. Why is it so hard for men to share some of their feelings? Dr. Greg Enriquez will be joining us. He is the author of a Psychology Today article about this topic. We're going to figure it out, folks. Is it really you? Is it just your genes? Is it just social construct? Is it, is it what we expect of each other? We'll be delving into the subject. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, my friends. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. The Art of Manliness has a couple articles on med, on men shedding tears. One points out that in ancient Greece and Rome, heroes wept. Odysseus wept at the loss of comrades, his home and loved ones. The Bible has references to the Hebrews and other figures weeping. In fact, the trend of tears being unmanly didn't hit its stride until the Romantic and Victorian eras. These days, it's socially viewed as a bit more permissible for men to cry. So does this social rule contribute to why it's difficult for some men to express their emotional uh, needs? Dr. Greg Enriquez joins us. Uh, He recently contributed to an article in Psychology Today about this very subject, and he joins us now live on the phone. Dr. Enriquez, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show.
6: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
2: It's great to have you here. What is it? So where, where... the ability for men to share their emotion or not, where does it come from? Is it a social kind of construct? Is it how we look at it socially? Is it a genetic thing and is there even a is there even a difference between how men and women do it
6: uh, well that's a that 's a great set of questions uh, definitely I would not uh, divide this up into an easy yes-no question in right. terms of, is this genetics or is it it's social? It's clearly, in my opinion, uh, you'd have to think about what way is it sort of biological and what way is it learned and what way is the culture really contributing. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's all of those things, and then it becomes sort of, how is it all of those things?
2: Is, is, is there a difference, though, between men and women in how we actually share and, and are able to emote?
6: Well, certainly if you just look descriptively at people, uh, and you know, in, and I would say descriptively at people in this particular cultural context, say America at this time period, yeah. and that's important to note because in different social cultural contexts, people do it differently as your you uh, segue suggested. So if you look at it right now, uh, yes, uh, there is, are some differences, uh, sort of speaking generally, uh, where men feel a little bit more... Uh, consistently uncomfortable talking and expressing certain kinds of emotions. Uh, and and so, indeed, psychologists have noted this pattern for a while. Uh, I mention it in my blog. It sort of, uh, seems kind of sounding maybe kind of technical, but it, uh, one uh, prof- psychology professor called it, normative, male, alexithymia. <laughs> uh, alexithymia is a word that refers to difficulties putting into words uh, one's feelings. Hmm. Uh, the word normative simply means this it happens a lot, so normative, male, alexithymia. Lithiumia is the idea that uh, men uh, regularly have problems putting uh, their feelings into words, and it's particular kinds of feelings, especially. Hmm. Uh, and, and so, and it's really not all that complicated when you think about it. Um, the, the feelings that for men that are difficult to put into words tend to be the feelings associated with uh, vulnerability, uh, dependency, guilt. Uh, any type of the the feelings that are associated with weakness Mm. uh, often, uh, at least in a negative sense um, those feelings uh, are often for many men, not certainly for everyone, uh, but for many men those feelings come with a lot of anxiety uh, and the basic answer, reason is because we're taught uh, at least i'm speaking myself um, you know when you're growing up in adolescence uh, you know you don't get if you get hurt and you start crying really easily what are you you're a pansy or you're a wimp uh, yeah. you know it's just not consistent to be a strong in charge powerful guy uh, and to have vulnerable needy feelings and so when you get them what do you do with them you sort of stuff them uh, or redirect them uh, and that's all part of the learning process it's all part of uh, what many people learn what it is to be a man is you sort of stoic about
2: that stuff. Well, if you if you've ever just watched a man trip and fall, how quickly we can get up and act like nothing happened.
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean
2: absolutely. And, and by the way, you see that in the animal kingdom if you know if an if an animal is is hurt and then gets back to the herd it's going to act as normal as it can sure you don't no, want to be the limpy gimpy absolutely. animal you
6: don't want to send signals that you're weak and vulnerable in that context either yeah uh so so it is a it's 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 deeply embedded in the nature but i will say in relationship to us humans what we humans have in addition to some sensitivity, certainly lots of sensitivity to what kind of signals we're sending. We also have this, our language-based identity about who we are and mm-hmm. who we want to be. Uh, and for many men, it, you know, we have complicated relations with feeling vulnerable or or shamed or losing uh, certain things. That that, that activates uh, some anxiety, and then, then we
2: avoid it. Well, Which is interesting, because the, having a language-based identity might make it, and I notice it in my practice, might make it so... A lot of men might not want to explore a vulnerable, uh, you know, guilty weakness with their partner simply because we're going to create an identity that I'm bad at something here.
6: Absolutely, that's exactly right. So and we don't
2: talk. We just kind of. I guess that's why, in my world, statistically, men tend to withdraw more from conversation than pursue. Conflict conversation.
6: Absolutely, uh, and uh, and so you. It's a very common. If we now start to a little bit talk about couple patterns, uh, yeah. it's very common for uh, women to be wanting to kind of hash it out or talk about it or explore their feelings, and then uh, and and they want to kind of point out certain things, maybe about some of the emotional processes that are happening, and men find that often. A, they don't want to do it, it's a little threatening. And then they so they start to shut down and withdraw. And the woman uh, we call it a blame withdrawal cycle. Uh, the woman gets angry. She feels rightfully so from her perspective that the, that the individual, her husband's not engaging and not dialoguing, and she wants more and more then to figure out what's going on. And mm. that overloads the man often. He can't quite put into words. He's afraid to put into words. He doesn't even know really what's going yeah. on. He just wants to avoid it <laughs> and goes into his cave, so to speak. Uh, and we see many couples who often is the woman bringing the man in and saying, hey, what's going on? I want to talk about this. I want to understand this. And he just shuts me out.
2: Oh, it's such a real deal. And yet and you don't want to generalize except statistically it's there. I mean, the patterns are there and they're exactly. natural for a reason.
6: Right. So the, I always talk when we're talking about these things, there's aggregate level of analysis and individual level. Right now, if we're talking men and women, I'm talking aggregate, which means the general Population of pattern, mm-hmm. uh, and and you absolutely to me without I don't you don't want to pigeonhole anybody and there's lots of exceptions. I consider myself a man who uh, can talk openly and freely and loves processing. Yeah, uh, so I'm an exception to the rule, and and certainly there are women who have trouble on the other end. So I, I certainly individual humans are really complicated. We don't want to overgeneralize, and yet at the same time, as somebody who's worked with couples uh, for for many years for decades, uh, this is such a prominent pattern. Uh, that you'd really want to be able to understand it quickly. It's uh, a, and this is how you have to think about it, the pattern
2: level. Yeah, I, I, and you called it aggregate versus... Individual. Individual. So kind
6: aggregate of, is like when you take a yeah. like taking a forest view, uh, and a forest view of male-female pattern uh, does allow you to see certain kinds of things mm-hmm. regularly, uh, even though there are individual differences.
2: Well, and maybe, too, some of what we might pick up are... Because I was raised by four women, okay. and, and uh-huh. so I may have just picked up more of the socializing pattern of my Absolutely. sisters and my mom, and so maybe what a lot of this is is just maybe role playing too.
6: Yeah, no, we we get we get socialized in a particular kinds of cultures that come with traditions and identities. Okay, mm. and so uh, if you live in a particular kind of culture uh, like that, which is predominantly female uh, dominated, yeah, or at least in terms of population, uh, yeah, there's going to have norms and traditions, and you'll fit in. Uh, one of my good friends who writes about this, you know. Found this to be hard initially to understand because he had eight sisters. <laughs> he was oh, wow. the only. So you got to yeah. for that. In contrast, I had uh, I have three brothers and no sisters. Huh. Uh, I think I grew up in a. My, my dad was very engaged. So was my mom. But but we had pretty much a masculine kind of gaming. Uh, you know, uh, playing lots of sports. Sure. It, there was a lot of that. Not that we shied away from the vulnerability stuff, but we didn't. We didn't talk a lot about
2: it. Definitely, it's it's such an interesting thing, and I and it seems like. So much of this goes back to I guess our social construct of what a man is and manhood. Exactly. Absolutely. So talk to us about the manhood thing because in a way it 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 seems to be reinforced at times but then now manhood involves diapering your kids right. and you know being empathic and more vulnerable. Mm-hmm.
6: Absolutely. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So we have what are called sex or gender roles, uh, and again, these change over time. But uh, societies have uh, have ideas about what does it mean to be uh, a man or a woman, uh, and society paints pictures then of what the ideal man and woman is. And we come, and, and if we just go back, say, a few decades, uh, in the 1950s, 60s, we have pretty clear traditional gendered roles. Mm. Uh, the man was the provider, the man was strong, the man was uh, played a particular kind of role, and, and it was a dominant role relative to the woman in the 1950s, certainly. Um, and it carried a particular... Uh, to use a term that we psychologists throw archetype which is sort of like there's this ideal and that was somebody who was strong and loyal and and, and could handle a lot of stress or tension and not collapse okay? yeah. so in other words the archetypal man and of course john wayne or uh, you know would be somebody would, would this becomes sort of what you want to live up to this is what you want Uh, people to gain influence and status for. Uh, And so that's what society says. And then over time, of course, different things happen, different ideas emerge, that the context changes. And of course, we have the sexual revolution and the feminist revolution in the 1970s, where people are saying, no, we don't want men and women to be unequal. And that resulted in a lot of changes in sort of the woman identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, you know, you go out there, you should be an earner. It's good to get your education. You are as powerful and you can do anything uh, that men can do. And that really changed the, the female role in many ways. Uh, and we've seen then, I think more recently, uh, the male role. Uh, shifting becoming broader. So we don't, we don't have nearly, and of course in the most extreme kind of flexibility, now we have transgendered and the ideas about homosexuality. All of these things uh, have to do with the social cultural script about manhood and womanhood and sexuality. And so what we are seeing, I think, is definitely a broadening in some ways of the male role and the female yeah. role. Uh, certainly an equality, a more of a blending of them. And yet at the same time, I argue that really, although we are more open as a society and an identity to having individuals you know, change diapers and work in the home and do all of this other stuff, and believe me, I'm supportive of all those progressive yeah. ideas, I'm not sure we've really dissected or talked a lot about or helped people understand how to – be More comfortable in their own skin with their own feelings in this new and broader role. Instead, I think it's kind of can be really confusing. You get lots of mixed messages. Yeah. You know, be a man or be sensitive, but don't be too sensitive.
2: That's right. Well, and too, yeah, yeah, you don't want <laughs> yeah, to be too totally sensitive. To That's right. In fact, let's do this. Let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. Greg Enriquez, and I think that is, we'll, we'll come back and talk about that very thing. As the roles are changing, how are we supposed to understand? What our roles are? I mean, forever they were defined. Man would do this, woman would do this, and it seems like uh, it seems like women are, are adapting and maybe picking up their roles a little bit more naturally. Um, and a lot of men, it seems like, are standing by, maybe wondering, "Well, what do I do? <laughs> Who am I?" We'll be talking about that uh, up next, folks. Why is it so hard for some men to share their feelings? And what are what is the role of uh, of a man today? And, uh, and how do we go about adapting and creating socially our own identity? We'll be talking more with Dr. Greg, Greg Enriquez after the break. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Hey, great topic Uh, we're discussing right now with Dr. Greg Enriquez, and uh, Dr. Greg Enriquez is the author of A New Unified Theory of Psychology, which directs, and he's the director of the Combined Clinical and School Psychology Doctoral Programs at James Madison University. He's a licensed clinical psychologist with expertise in depression, suicide, and personality disorders. But he also wrote a fascinating Psychology Today uh, article. Why is it so hard for some men to share their feelings? Dr. Enriquez, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. Fascinating conversation because, I mean, a lot of times we don't dare talk about this because right. it just sounds like, and again, I guess that's our vulnerability about, about what's going on. But there's a lot of shifts that seem to be taking place in in the roles that we play as men and women Yes. And, and what I see is a lot of men that almost look like deer in the headlights in yes. this movement. They don't know where they fit. I, I kind of think of the dad that's a stay-at-home dad. Uh, his wife's got a great job. somebody they want their kids to be you know raised by, by their by the parents yep. and yet his identity, He feels weird just being a stay-at-home dad, and everyone looks at him socially like, why aren't you being the man? Sure. Talk to us about that, and, and what are we supposed to do? to kind of identify and create our own identity, socially, through these changes.
6: Right. Well, I think you've raised a number of really good points, one of which is, is that, you know, our our identity and indeed our whole sort of sense of psychology, I think, is changing a lot. I think it's a lot in flux right now. Yeah. Um, so we used to have fairly strong, at the gender level, we used to have fairly strong, clear roles. Uh, and And in some ways, that came with a lot of costs, of course, um, because people were forced into particular kinds of boxes. But it right. gave people clarity, right? Uh, that was the, the one thing, one good thing that it sort of did. So now we have all of this freedom and flexibility. You can be a stay-at-home dad, and and yet we don't really understand all the forces, and we still have some of our old leftover ideas. And so here you have many men that are confused um, about, well, is this okay, and what are the things that my, I might be driving, hmm. uh, be driving this? So the first thing I always talk about is what, do you have awareness and insight, you know, and kind of uh, in this process? And so, um, yes, kind of, what do we do? My always first thing is before we jump to what do we do, you want to understand what yeah. you're looking at here. Um, and so uh, I think that one of the things that we need to understand and really teach people about their identity and how their identity connects to their emotions and how to be more just cognizant of the level of emotional process versus identity.
2: Because the emotions are a sign, right? So if I'm feeling awkward about yep. being a stay-at-home dad, right. that very emotion is telling me something. And you're Absolutely. saying, go notice what that's telling you.
6: Yeah, exactly. In fact, I have another blog called Finding Your Emotional Sweet Spot. Hmm. And what it does is it, it identifies sort of do's and don'ts in relationship to emotional awareness. Um, and the sweet spot basically says yeah, you, you want to find yourself in between two different poles on emotion. And the first thing that you want to uh, have is awareness and attunement uh, to your emotion. Awareness and attunement means know what you're feeling and know why you're feeling it. Mm. Uh, and so you just said, yeah, that's a signal. You feel awkward for some reason right? Yeah. So you, you don't want to just pretend you don't feel anxious. Uh, what you want to do is you want to say, well, huh, I'm feeling anxious. What is that telling me, right? Uh, and it might. And then you really want to sit with that and try to put into words and, and imagery what that emotion might be telling you. It might be saying, yeah, I learned that a man is a protector. And although people are telling me it's fine, I still feel like I'm not fulfilling my core role. Right. So, so okay, that, that's awareness. And then the uh, awareness and attunement, and then the other side is regulation, okay? Emotions are really carry strong impulses. uh, They can overwhelm us, and you want to plan out your life for a longer period of time often than emotions are oriented (laughs) towards. So you need to regulate the emotion. Um, And a lot of people get stuck. Actually, it's very relevant to this topic. I happen to see an old Friends episode. You remember the Friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis was starring in that, and, and he basically played out the scene, and, and I think he was dating Jennifer Aniston's character, whatever. And at first, he's this super hot, tough guy, and he doesn't say anything. How you doing? Fine. What's going on? Fine. Blah, blah, blah. And, and Jennifer Aniston's character is all flustered. She wants him to talk and open up and blah, blah, blah. She finally gets him to talk, and he then goes in, and when he was six, this bad thing happened to him, and then he's crying for 24 <laughs> hours, okay? Yeah. Um, and so this is an example of being outside the sweet spot. In other words, before, he's not attuned, he's not aware, he's right. not anything. But in part because he has, he's carrying this whole uh, sense of, of vulnerability that and all burden. stuff. And then she opens it up, and voila, then it's dysregulated. It's all over the place. And it's worth noting, she then starts complaining. That's you know, it. He's like a pansy. Uh-huh. He's like a baby in there. <laughs> so it gives you some ideas about the kind of social – Pressures that men are under in the new role, if we
4: want.
2: So, so, you, you know. and that's always important to I think make sure we point out because it's not just it's a system, right? So it's not exactly. just that men are vulnerable. Right. It's also that when we express our vulnerability, we also may not get the response we want to be able to express it consistently.
6: It's a really double-edged sword, and I've definitely seen this. I've definitely seen this in the therapy room. In fact, you, if you see some of the comments on my blog, you see this, and that is, you know, how, hey, oh, I want you to open up, you know, <laughs> but then you start opening up, and then it's like, actually, I don't want to see that. You're such a sissy. Right. I mean, that's really a tear yeah.
2: off. You or know, or it terrifies anything. you. I mean, I always exactly. have people say, I just want to know what you're thinking about, and then the guy finally shares what he's thinking about, and it scares the wife to, I'm thinking of quitting my job and starting a whole new career. Exactly. And and she's and like, like, oh no 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 right, you can't no do way. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: No, that, so, so that's really the. Is, there's believe me, there are reasons. There, there are reasons we avoid, and you have to understand that. Yeah. That's why it's really complicated. There's no, and that's why there isn't any simple mm-hmm. answer. Uh, the first thing though is is that a general level of awareness that there are identity pressures. They may be consistent or not consistent with certain emotional feelings. When they're not consistent, that sets up tensions and filtering. Uh, and you really need to have a lot of awareness on how to deal with that tension and filtering, both at the individual level and in social groups and relationships.
2: Do you know an example of that in a, on a broad kind of macro level seemed like when um, when Caitlin – no, is that her name? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Je- – yep. ex-Bruce Jen- – uh, Caitlin yeah, Jenner. now Caitlin. Yeah, oh, now Bruce Caitlin, Caitlin Caitlyn. Jenner. Yeah, when she was expressing – when she won the ESPY award. Right. So you're in a room full of these alpha males – Right, who have all of these social beliefs and the historic, you know, boundaries and identity issues, absolutely, and they're now accepting Caitlyn. I mean, it's like there has to be a certain amount of awareness there, of understanding what emotions you're feeling and attunement, like you're saying, and regulating your own responses and learning, yeah, and That's learning I mean. and adapting to this mm-hmm. new image, this new identity.
6: That's right, and 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 indeed, you know, in terms about talk about confusion and, and blending of roles and things along those lines. Uh, while I think the whole transgender movement is is great in many ways, it frees certain people up to live lives in ways that are more congruent and true to themselves, it's also the case that as we b- open up social roles, it creates lots of confusion. Yeah. you know, People don't know you know, what's up and, and what's down anyway. Uh-huh. They had a map, and now, oh, that map is sort of sexist or, or discriminates, so we get rid of that map, and now it's like, well, what are we? And yeah. What are we doing, and what's okay? And what's Which not? is
2: why and you also a see community. a lot of backlash. I mean, even with sure. good-hearted people that will still be angry and aggressive, because, and they might defend roles. Right, absolutely. But you, that, you see a lot of tension there that just needs to be understood and figured out.
6: That's right. That's right. There's a, and and we have to have. That's why I'm. A, you know, I became a psychologist because I really feel like uh, we need good psycholog If we're going to figure this kind of stuff out in an intelligent way, we need to understand what our natures are, as yeah. human creatures, and we need to understand our emotional cells and our intellectual cells and how we build cultures and how to build cultures that are congruent with our natures and allow us to flourish.
2: Hmm. I mean, it's such a complicated thing, isn't it?
6: It, it's, it's very complicated. Uh, I think we could do a lot better than we do. I do, too. Uh, I think we can sort it out more more clearly, and I think there are some models out there that do that. But
2: uh. How do you um, go about just being vulnerable? So if, if a guy has uh-huh. a traditional kind of man syndrome where I don't right. want to be vulnerable, I want to look good, how do I go about being vulnerable?
6: Right. And this is certainly something I've had to learn, uh, uh, learn how to do. Uh, it definitely was not something... Uh, that I knew that I could would do, um, uh, and knew how to do, uh, and so. Uh, but for me, what it, what it came is sort of, and I often talk about this. You know, there's a it's a stage. You want to go through stage of change, what I call. It. And you first you have to become aware. Okay, hmm. so uh, the now the question your identity can now ask the question: Am I ever vulnerable? Um, why? Why am I? And of course, the answer should be: Everyone is sometimes vulnerable. Yeah, you bet. Right. Um, and then the issue is, okay, I need to accept both that I sometimes am vulnerable and I need to accept there's a part of me that doesn't want to be vulnerable and I need to accept the fact that I don't want to show that to other people. Yeah. Okay. So awareness and then acceptance. And then just ask yourself, well, how might I be different and how might I be different in a way that would be growth promoting? And then you think about that, you identify certain kinds of strategies and changes and you try them out.
2: And just try test it. And-
6: uh, and chest it and see. So, for instance, you know, I definitely uh, – there were a couple situations, say, in relationship to my marriage. Uh, if I were feeling insecure, uh, I might sort of uh, used to show my wife the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it was really interesting. Uh, I, I didn't realize at the time, but my cold shoulder when I, early in my marriage was a test. Uh, it was a test for my wife to see whether or not – if I showed her a cold shoulder, but she was really attached to me, she would break through the cold yeah, shoulder. She'd and all sorts of yeah, she'd come back. It's a physical infection. Right? Yeah. Turns out, actually, if I showed my <laughs> wife the cold shoulder, she'd say, all right, well, screw you. I'm going to go do something else. She was
2: rejected and pulls right? away, yeah. And,
6: and then all of a sudden, I'd find myself all stuck and confused, because mm-hmm. then I'd get even more angry. Uh, and, indeed, I, it took me a little while, well, you know, months of kind of like and, – and, and being a psychologist kind of person to really say, what am I doing? And it took me, that was the awareness piece was really key to be like, oh, I'm actually showing her a need here in a very indirect way. And yeah. in a very confusing way, that actually she didn't understand when she actually when I told her I was actually I'm actually being vulnerable here. She was like, well, why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off!" Yeah, who's, who says that? <laughs> and so then I was like, "Well, actually, I could try a direct route, and I'd say, dear, actually, you know, this is going on, and blah blah blah, and you know, I guess I, you know, it's enough of a balance, so that was well received, and and then she can understand where I'm coming from. So then I'd build a habit or a skill where I can say, hey. This is now how I'm feeling. And, and we were at least able to have a place where she could hear that and she could then be clear about where I was coming from and meet my needs. So I got reinforced for mm. that. Um, and so now that's part of my repertoire. And you
2: and you just figured that out uh, piece by piece, just I figured it questioning out, piece piece
6: it. Uh, and actually, we went to a one therapy session and we were able to kind of talk yeah. it out, uh, you know, and able to be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And the therapist said, well, why? what's going on with you when you do that. And and that and having somebody ask me and then just narrating it, and that enabled my wife to be like, oh, oh. totally different than what
2: I thought Yeah, you're not just being a jerk. You're, yeah. you're actually just expressing exactly. vulnerability. And
6: in fact, I certainly don't think people, you know, sometimes going to therapy helps. So you don't need to. I like to talk about, call, if we're talking about couple system, I do, it's calling the field. Uh, is an exercise I, I encourage couples sometimes to do. calling the field means you 're going to talk simply about your inner experience and how you perceive the relationship in a completely non judgmental descriptive huh. way. So calling the field says here 's my experience, and the person needs to commit simply to listening as an interested. Um, observer, not get defensive. What happens with people in couples, of course, and anybody has been in a couple relation, you start sharing your version of reality, and the person's like, that's BS. Right? <laughs> Wrong. You know, that's right. no way. You know what you did here, and that's this, and blah, blah, blah. And then people get trapped because they don't want to feel unjustified, and they listen to somebody else's version, and then they feel the need to jump in. Well, calling the field shifts you to not to think about it as justified or not justified, but just describing This is the person's experience. It says nothing about whether or not it was legitimate or whether my wife should have done something else or I should have done. It's just this is it. Yeah. It's a description neutrally, but then it allows people to get a much better sort of understanding of what's
2: going on. That really is. And it's uh, what I like is it's again, it's it's social constructionism or constructivism. You're you're growing and constructing it as we talk, as we understand. I mean, and that's pretty much how we how we kind of have to work it through with our community, with our people. Um, as we just wrap it up, uh, again, Dr. Greg Enriquez, will you just teach us what, what would you say is the one thing when it comes to a guy, for a guy, to be able to share his emotion more, more regularly, more consistently? Where, where should we all begin? Um, we've talked a lot about awareness mm-hmm. and then accepting our feelings. Anything else we need to know to be able to, to share our emotions more in a more healthy way?
6: Yeah, I would find somebody that you trust. You know uh and 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 whether it's your significant other or whatever and and I would recommend folks to, uh, if they spend some time internally wondering about what bothers them, uh, put it into a little bit of a narrative and then in, internally, then find somebody you trust, create some space and say, "Hey, you know I've got this issue, I just want to talk out. it's been bugging me or it's been on my mind, and I would really just appreciate if you just you know can I use you and our relationship in a trusting way just to talk this out and see how I'm really feeling." Mm. Um, and, and that – so really the whole skill is taking your narrative identity and learning how to effectively translate uh, your nonverbal emotional self into words that you can kind of make sense of, allow you to stay awareness and aware and attuned and also regulated, and know who you are, what you're feeling inside, and what you're wanting to communicate to other people. Mm. That's the trick, and so that's where I would start for people.
2: That's good stuff. Is, um, is your book A New Unified Theory of Psychology, is it out
6: it is. It came out in 2011. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Perfect. So people can go look that up. And again, go to Psychology Today, look yeah, up yeah, Dr. I would
6: recommend going to my blog, my theory stuff, that's a little more Yeah, abstract, I noticed that. If you're, into the, if you're into psychology in an intense way, I really do recommend that. Or else <laughs> uh, the Psychology Today blog is where you can find more easily accessible
2: stuff. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Greg, we'll have you back on the show. You make it a lot easier for the rest of us to uh, to understand it. Good job. Yeah. All righty. Appreciate okay. it. Dr. Greg Enriquez, again, check him out at Psychology Today. Um, dot com. We'll take a break, my friends. When we come back, we're going to be doing a, uh, you know, finding the good in the world. It's out there, folks. And Kathy Aiken will be joining us with one of her uh, latest, latest offerings in that uh, area of finding the good. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of my favorite parts of the show is uh, when we go out and we, we help you see the, the good in the world. And Kathy Aiken finds a great story... And then brings it to light and helps us understand good things are happening. What's uh, what's your topic today, Kathy? Well,
3: you know, man, I think we all see need, uh, people in need around us. But how many of us really see the need and then go out and do something about it? Well, we found a woman from California who saw a need in her community and didn't hesitate to make a difference.
0: Susan Holloway is one busy woman. I am married, have been married for 36 years, and I have three wonderful children, a daughter-in-law and a grandson. Holloway's busy life
3: also included a successful commercial cleaning business in her hometown of Bakersfield, California,
0: but deep down she knew it wasn't her dream job. I've always wanted to teach, but I was kind of sidetracked. I went to college and I married young and started a business and and had a successful business um, for you know 20 years or so and and then I always wanted to teach so I went back to to get my credential when my children were actually in sixth grade and, and uh, it is a second career which it should have been my career all along. It, I, it's my passion. I love teaching. She started that second career 14 years ago. I started teaching in um, the inner city schools um, in 2001. Um, it was one of the lowest Socioeconomic areas in our city, and um, that's kind of when I the seed of helping. I've always our family has always been giving and helping, and but that's when it the seed started with something to help the children.
3: Holloway wanted to help the children after watching them come home from school without some of life's basic needs whether it was proper clothes for the weather or the
0: wrong size shoes. I shared this with my family um, one night at dinner and I remember my children, and they were young, um, and saying, well, let's do a coat drive. And, And then later on that year, around the holidays, they started a canned food drive. So really, it began with my children actually starting these drives for this little school
3: that drive went on for six years at the inner city school, then followed her to a new school district and a new job as a 6th grade teacher at McKee Middle School. Even there, Holloway said,
0: some students had the same basic needs. I felt really compelled to help in some way. I, I knew again that I needed to help, um, so I had this idea of a clothing bank or a store-like atmosphere that the children could come and feel comfortable and they could choose what they needed. And so I went to my principal um, three years ago and she had an old classroom that she let me have and, um, and I started the clothing bank at that time. The McKee Clothing Bank was born.
3: Here's how it works. Eligible students are referred from other staff members, the janitor, bus driver, even from a parent. Holloway takes over from there.
0: I discreetly call um, the students in, and they visit, and I kind of know what they need ahead of time, mm-hmm. so I kind of steer them in that direction. But I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, so you know I make it like you've been chosen to come in and choose whatever you need, and and so they kind of go to what's been referred. Then they can take the items in. We can stuff them in a backpack, or else. They, I save it till the end of the day, and they can come and pick it up after school.
3: Thanks to an outpouring of community support, the clothing bank has just about everything a student may need, such
0: as towels, linens, toiletries, and shoes. Oh, Kathy, it's filled. In fact, um, last summer we, I had this great brainstorm. I did open it up to the whole district, which is now nine thousand students, and. Um, and so this little classroom that had, you know, discarded library bookshelves and plastic shelving that you find in your garages, just a hodgepodge of of store look-like, you know, to hang the clothes and stuff. Well, it's bursting at the the seams because of the the overwhelming um, donations and, and the community coming forward and helping me. And so we're going to be moving it to another Um, location on the campus and um, it's a little bit bigger so I'm so excited it's for the students but it's also the students families that are in need because we want our kids coming to school not having to worry about um, what they're wearing or what they have at home or they don't have at home their job is to come to school and learn. Holloway hopes the clothing bank will inspire
3: those who've been helped by it in the past will one day pay it forward.
0: In life, you have struggles, and, and they're going through struggles. And um, I, I want them to know that the kindness that they've been receiving, or they receive, is, is not a handout, it's just a, a little help over the, the hump, or, you know, what they've come up against. And I, I truly hope they learn from this, you know, compassion or kindness that they've
2: received,
0: that they can actually do this later in their life and inspired to do good things, not just a clothing thing, but just inspired to do good things in their community or their family of what they have received.
3: Good things are happening, Holloway says, as her idea is spreading across the country, all with the simple concept of helping students in need. Her passion that started 14 years ago continues on.
0: Really, my wish would be that the students wouldn't even have to come or have to go through these struggles and, even, and need these basic needs such as clothes, but that would be really a wish. But if that couldn't happen, I, I hope the clothing bank will always be there for them. I know I will be there for a long time, but when I'm gone, I hope that it will always be there.
3: Susan Holloway. Great
0: lady.
2: Amazing. Doing great things. Again, just a need, a basic need. Basic she saw need. the need. She yep. changed it.
3: Yep. And makes them feel comfortable. Doesn't embarrass them. And just what a, a great story of, of just looking at it, yeah. seeing it, and stepping up. And you don't, it, we it, all it's see not, it.
2: it doesn't need to be a big thing. No, just exactly. work where you right. can. Right, right. Kathy, you did it again. You did it again. Great job, Susan, as well. Hey, we'll take a break, my friends. Hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. It's in the can. We'll talk to you next hour. Stick with us.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show,
1: your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend, now on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. the The word the, today, you're going to learn how to change. Now, you obviously don't need to know how to change, but obviously, everyone around you they do. They need to learn change. It's one of the hardest things. And we've got Kim Giles who will be joining us from Clarity Point Coaching and she's going to be teaching us just the basics of creating change in your life and can you change someone else? We're going to probably say no. I can't change you, but if I change, I can create conditions where you're going to need to change or we're going to have a little problem. Or how do you uh how do you actually motivate someone else to change? Can you do that? We'll be getting into that. Coming up in the next few minutes with Kim Giles. But uh, did you see this story? Oh, my heavens, these stupid little criminals. Holy cow. Listen to this story. Patrick Johnson robbed two banks in Ocala, Florida uh, one day. The thief had the presence of mind to change his wardrobe between crimes. You know, he didn't want to be caught on the video with the same wardrobe. But his method of sticking up the banks, uh, he'd always lead a note saying that he had a gun. And he did it both times. The problem is, um, on the note, the note was actually written on the back of a personal check. (laughs) His own personal checks. So he wrote two notes on checks with his bank number.
3: So sad. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Terribly sad. Amazingly, they caught him.
3: Wow, they did, huh? That is really weird. I
2: mean, you'd think he'd be hard to catch. For sure. Because he's changing his clothes. Yeah. But when you, you know, when you make it, it
3: has your address on your check. You're probably uh-huh. going to get caught.
2: Every time, you'll get caught. Hey, did you hear today is by the way, July 27th is Walk on Stilts Day. Happy Walk on Stilts Day.
3: Some of these days are just getting a little too weird. Well, why? Hot dog Hot dog Day was legit. But that was, walk well, on Stilts hold
2: Day. Hold it. There's a lot of people that walk <laughs> on stilts.
7: I thought it was bagpipe day. Really? Yeah. I, yeah.
3: Bagpipe day?
7: Totally. It's it's today.
2: In your dreams.
7: I'll show you the set.
2: <laughs> really?
3: Uh-oh. We're debating over Is the best day. Is it supposed to be bagpipe day? To me, it's just Monday. It's Monday. It, it
2: does feel like a, a Monday. It does. Hey, did you hear that um, Bugs Bunny was born 72 years ago today?
3: Mm, best cartoon ever.
2: That, he's an old rabbit. How long do rabbits live?
3: Not that long, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Poor
2: Bugs. Yeah.
3: Turtles, on the other hand, live Turtles for a long time. Turtles live for like a long 100 time. 100 years or something.
2: But rabbits just quickly made into a stew. Sad day. Sad day. Let's get to the headlines. Find out. Find out what Kathy aiken has got uh, in store for us.
3: Fiat Chrysler is preparing to pay a record $105 million fine for mishandling 23 safety recalls involving more than 11 million vehicles. Part of the settlement has the carmaker buying back half a million Ram pickup trucks built between 2008 and 2012 due to defective steering. Reports also show major issues on certain Jeep Grand Cherokees and Jeep Liberties that have rear-mounted fuel tanks. At least 75 people have reportedly died because of that issue. Here's Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox.
5: There's no way to defend what, what Fiat Chrysler was doing, uh, and whether it is a, uh, a, a matter of commission or omission, the, the reality is, is that consumers uh, were not protected in this situation.
3: The penalty is the largest ever imposed by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Two 14-year-old boys remain missing this morning off the southern coast of Florida. The two teens were last seen heading out to sea Friday afternoon. The Coast Guard found a cap boat and one flotation device belonging to the boys, but there has been no sign of them. The families are offering a $100,000 reward in the search. Half of the Cuban men's field hockey team reportedly defected to the United States while at the Pan American Games in Toronto. Four rowers also disappeared Last week, and are thought to have defected as well. Their field hockey team could only field eight players instead of the standard eleven plus five substitutes. Whitney Houston's only child, 22-year-old Bobby Christina Brown, died last night at a hospice in Georgia. Brown was found unresponsive in a bathtub six months ago. An autopsy is planned, though the medical examiner says the time from when she was found until her death may complicate efforts to reconstruct what actually happened. Ant-Man took the top spot at the box office for the second weekend in a row. Pixels was Number two, followed by Southpaw at number three. And Matt, did you see the story in Lorain County, Ohio? Archaeologists uncovered a home believed to be 4,000 years old. Yes. In Ohio? In Ohio. They say the home belonged to hunter-gatherers, and the researchers called the home rather comfortable with cooking pits and storage holds for hickory nuts. They figured they lived in a wigwam type of home. It's kind of a U-shape, and whoever lived there migrated from the southeast, hunted small game and deer, and caught fish from Lake Erie. The Hmm. site has been kept secret to guard against vandals. They said once they've got everything they need, they'll just kind of cover it back up.
2: Holy Isn't that crazy? cow, yeah. that is incredible. 4,000 years ago in Ohio. In
3: Ohio, yep. Isn't that interesting? They found arrowheads, so obviously they knew they were hunters. And, and they had a little yeah. place
2: to store their...
3: Store their hickory nuts. Their hickory nuts. And cook. They had cooking pits. Yeah, and like some how? kind of bowls that they thought, yeah. you know, to put water in. But yeah, incre- For I think cereal. that's fascinating to me, things it, like that, to find things like that. Don't you think?
2: Yeah. To, but they're going to then just cover it not back sure how
3: they. Fi- yeah, not sure how they figure out the, how old i mean how do you get the 4000 year old but well
2: you just you know. look at the china pattern <laughs> and you can t- i have watched road show mm-hmm. antique road show you just it's oh, that's oh you look on the very bottom of it and it'll have a little stamp <laughs> makes I mean, it very easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> made
3: in china yeah that's uh worth 50 cents <laughs>
2: that is amazing <laughs> that's amazing 4000 years yeah. ago i mean that blows up a lot of theories doesn't yeah. it yeah, it does. but it came from the southeast
3: in ohio so it's like a Lorain seminole County, it's ohio. like a
2: it's the florida interesting
3: yeah do
2: do yeah. this is um kind see, of this is to in-
3: to picture what how they lived yeah. and what they this is why we
2: do the, the show because it's just to
3: find stories like this mm-hmm. very interesting so
2: yes. you are when I mean, we're all very cocky like we all know what's going on <laughs> we know we know when the settlers moved to the united states or mm-hmm. to america we mm-hmm. know that but did you know? Four thousand years ago.
3: Yes, that's why we're here.
2: Hickory nuts, mm-hmm. which is they were probably making barbecue sauce.
3: Could have, could have mm. done, mm-hmm. or toasted them and
2: toasted yeah. them a little hickory, hickory sauce nuts
3: over on open fire. Jack Frost, a little buffalo yeah. nipping at your nose.
2: Mm. I'm hungry again. <laughs> well sorry. done, well done, Kathy. I am always hungry. And again, happy uh, Walk on stilts day. Except I'm being told it's bagpipe day.
7: It is. Is well, that, it depends what site you look at.
2: Is it just in your family? It's bagpipe day. Well, I like type bagpipe day. Let's we'll bring that up with sports nation guys. Okay. Oh yeah, is that why you're wearing the kilt then? Yeah. I just thought I thought that was weird. It's the first time I've seen you wearing a kilt.
7: It looks nice, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: Interesting. If you're gonna shave your legs up, make sure you shave both of them. You only got to one today.
7: I ran out of time. That's
2: all right. That's all right. Next time, get them both. Uh, we're going to talk, take a break, be talking to Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. Uh, really, an important topic on change. Can you think of something you know in your life you need to change? And it just keeps, it just keeps eluding you. You can't get to it. You're not changing what you need to change. She'll be with us, teaching us how to create change, movement in your life, and maybe even how to uh, create some desire for change in others. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Stick with us. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us today, Kim Giles, president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching, popular life coach, in fact, was named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America back in 2010. She's appeared on every show you can imagine and has written over 300 and something articles, 350 articles, I'll say. A A lot. lot. That's what you always say. (laughs) I always just say, a lot. Tons of articles. But go to our website, ClarityPointCoaching.com. Tons of information, assessments, change. But here's the deal, Kim. Everybody can think of one thing they need to change.
8: At least one thing we need to change.
2: But we don't do it for years. We know, oh, yeah, I've got to get on that. Why? Why is change – it's so obvious yet so hard.
8: Well, I think one of the reasons it's hard is we've gotten in a bad habit to the to the level that it's literally in our subconscious programming yeah so it's just it's it's a hard wired program
2: we don't want we don't want to let it go
8: well yeah there's subconsciously there's a whole part of you that is behaving that that bad way for a reason because you think it protects you or you've learned it somewhere and you think it's the right way to behave. So it's kind of like we have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake at the same mm-hmm. time. We want to change, but we don't want to change. And there we stay. And never if you moving. don't
2: change, then that means we should believe that deep down there's a, re- there's a reason stopping you.
8: Yeah, usually we're afraid of the change. We're afraid of the commitments and responsibilities that will come if we do change. Mm-hmm. So it just feels safer to stay where we are.
2: Ugh. But it but then, too, I guess if you stay there long enough and the change was necessary, something's going to break.
8: It is. It might be
2: your partner's <laughs> like, I'm done.
8: And then the pain has to get so bad that the pain of staying is worse than the fear of changing. Yeah.
2: And then it's like, oh, now I'll change it. How many times have have you seen... Somebody that wouldn't change, wouldn't change, wouldn't change. Finally, one person is done. They're done. And then now that person has all the motivation to change. Now yeah, I'll change. Often what do you It takes
8: want? something that severe to get us moving. But I, I'm i sure you see this too. If, if we can work with someone and show them how mm-hmm. to change and that it is doable and it's not as hard as you think and you have some support to get you there, you can do it. But you and I have talked yeah. about how most people wait until – Things are
4: just
8: pretty much destroyed before they seek out some yeah. help to change. They, they think they can do it by themselves. A lot of people think it's a sign of weakness to ask for some help. and so but they don't do it. Do I really until need to change? Way.
2: Do I need to change or should I just force my partner to change so they're adapting to my maladaptive behavior? Well
8: that's, <laughs> that's what we tend option.
2: to do is we, blame, we want everyone else to change to fit us instead of we should change, to just yeah. be healthy.
8: Well, and and I think psychologically we would prefer that the problem was with the other person. Yeah. If we could just change them, that would fix it. <laughs> but the reality is we are on this planet to grow and learn and develop our character. I, I mean, I believe life's a classroom. We're here to grow. That means changing.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and think about it. If not, you would have been like you were when you were 14.
8: Yeah, glad I'm not yeah, who I was when I was 14. You've
2: changed a little bit, right? So how do we do it? What are some of the steps to to change, to actually create change?
8: Okay, well, the first thing is you've got to be consciously aware of what you're doing instead of having it be a subconscious program that's just running. Neuroscientists tell us 95% of the choices we make, we're making subconsciously.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: So that's most of our behavior is driven by subconscious mind and we're not it's even aware happening. of why we're yeah. doing it yeah we're not aware so the first step for everybody is to recognize what's happening and that's one of the reasons we use that fear assessment that's on my website is it's a way to show someone on paper what's happening at the subconscious level and if you want to get a peek inside your head for free you can go to my website and go take the fear the assessment yeah yeah because it, it does show you what's going on and why you're behaving the way you are. Yeah. The first step, we've got to be consciously aware of it. And then we usually are going to have to change our perspective and look at things in a different way. Don't you find oh. with your clients, as soon as we change perspective, it just changes everything.
2: Well, which is why if somebody on the outside will no longer take your ineffectiveness and they change – that creates a major perspective change. Like it forces you into oh, a whole new reality. Oh, the status quo
8: is no longer OK.
2: Which is why sometimes we keep each other in each other's systems. We, I keep you there. You keep me here. We stay there. And together we frustrate.
8: That beautiful dysfunction that's <laughs> keeping <laughs> that us together.
2: But so as soon as one of us says, I'm done. So I can not influence your perspective change. I mean, Absolutely. I can't make you change. But if I you just,
8: change, mm-hmm. I will automatically have to change in my interactions with yeah. you. Um, I also think it's really helpful that we're always learning and, and being open to new ideas, reading books, yeah. listening to the Matt Townsend Absolutely. show. Every day you get a new perspective. Because yeah. everything that you learn can help you to look at things in a different way. And you
2: could even just look at what you want to be in 20 years and that could create a change. So you can force your own perspective change. By just looking at it differently how do, how do, how do my kids feel when I act this way? how do I want to be when i'm I mean if you've ever just gone to a funeral of somebody your age, it's a pretty big perspective, perspective change. change for sure So it's funny how life Gives you every chance to do this.
8: Well, and you're a big reader, mm-hmm. like I am. We're always talking about books we've been reading. Yeah. And I find almost every self help book that I read gives me a new perspective on something I didn't see before.
4: Yeah, exactly. There's
8: so much amazing material out there that we can be growing and sh- shifting all the time. So it's
2: huge. I Change think that's your big. perspective, our perspective. Okay.
8: And then a couple little things that I do with my clients when we're trying to get them to change themselves, we challenge them to break out of their comfort zone on as many other levels as they possibly can. Do everything you can different. If you always wear basically the same outfits, Mm -hmm. wear something different. Order something different for lunch. Try new foods. Drive home a different way every day this week. And it I mean, it sounds kind of minor because we're talking about all these things outside your life or your relationships. But they've proven psychologically the more you'll break out of your ruts and just shake yeah. up your life and do things different, it gets your brain more ready to change the way you think and the yeah. way you see the world. So we challenge them to just and it doesn't go matter. outside their comfort zone
2: Clothes, you're helps. saying it doesn't even just the route you take home doesn't matter. Anything different,
8: anything different that's out of your just stuck routine. Because most of us that are really stuck, yeah, we're not just stuck in that area, we're stuck everywhere. We're just caught in the so same true. way of being. So, if I can get people to just shake it up, eat at restaurants you've never tried, read books you've never read, anything different, it's going to help you to get ready that's to such change. It's a great,
2: I and mean, it's so simple.
8: Another thing we recommend our clients do is clean some of the clutter out of their house. The more that you're holding on to all this old stuff in your house, the more you're also holding on to your old way of being. Mm. So we find if we can get you to clean out your closet and get rid of all the old crap you haven't worn in a year and open up some empty space in your house, you're actually opening space for a new way of being. And I like you to... To literally think with every item you're putting in that box, I'm sending this old me out yeah. making room for a new me to come in.
2: It's interesting. Who would think that just clutter? But what what about the person whose issue is they keep nothing? <laughs> okay. they, they, they literally have nothing. They keep nothing. They want nothing. They're attached to nothing.
8: Yeah. I actually taught this principle to some of my new coaches the other day, and I have one exactly like that. She says – she travels light. She never wants to own more than what would fit in her car at any moment, so she could leave. <laughs> so her her reaction to her fear, instead of holding on to things and having a scarcity mentality, she's having a stay unattached yeah. mentality. And Don't it looks like yeah, it looks like she's
2: so open-minded, and but she's still afraid.
8: She's totally still afraid so we all said we'll pack up our stuff and send it to her and then her job is to keep it <laughs> yeah
2: everybody no, take their kidding. junk and send it to her
8: <laughs> no but she's got to recognize that the it it's okay to hold on to some things and and that would actually be a good practice for her i
2: mean really so in her house she should maybe keep a few more things sure that she would have to do well deal that with. would
8: be out of her comfort zone yeah, exactly. so she'd be stretching and changing a little yeah, bit yeah totally okay then we also really encourage people to get some outside help And and we've talked about this so often, you and me. That couples we work with, they don't come in and ask for help until they are on the verge of divorce.
2: Yeah, they're done.
8: And and they've said so many hurtful things. I mean, why do we let it go that long? Yeah,
2: and we're so oh, and you're so damaged that even if you could fix it, sometimes it's not worth fixing because you've destroyed each other so bad. Totally, it's hard.
8: So I know you would. Echo me in saying this, please, yep. everybody out there, the first sign of mm-hmm. problems, get some outside help. The difference it'll make is just a hundredfold because when you get an expert that knows exactly what they're doing, they can help you fix it so fast oh, and easy. Yeah. Aren't most of your couples just shocked yeah, that, that,
2: it, that it's this, this is easy? Easier to fix? Well, isn't it? And maybe get help in a way that's different because how many times have you had somebody that came in and they've been to four counselors or they've been to three counselors? And it's the same thing for every one of them. Yeah, it was all the same. It was all the same. Just the thought that it's always going to be the same. Well, then don't do counseling. (laughs) Then go do a ropes course in the middle of Nepal, and or climb a mountain, or do something crazy. Do something different that is so different that there has to be a different. If everything's always the same, it's you. Yeah. It's not your counselors you're going to. Well, and don't
8: you find – for most people, you've got to find the right counselor for you Uh because everybody's so different. The problems you're having are different. So don't give up if one doesn't work. Definitely keep looking to find –
2: I always say find it until it works, right? So we're not just here to get it off the list. Oh, yeah, I've done counseling. You you find a help you find and seek out help until it works.
8: Absolutely, don't you find a lot of the most successful people I know that have great relationships? They seek out help all the time, and oh, they yeah. don't even necessarily uh-huh. need it. But they're reading books, they're attending seminars, they're they're growing and learning, and it just m- creates this really rich life and wonderful relationships. We all need to be. This oh, everyone way.
2: needs help too, and. But, again, that might go back to the, the basic idea. If you don't recognize what's happening or if you think what's happening is your spouse is just too emotional, it's her. <laughs> it's totally her. So, yeah, you go get some help, hun. You go get some help.
8: <sighs> yeah. We, it's Missing it's, it's the point. never just one person, is it? <laughs> right. it's, it's always both is. of us that need to make changes.
2: Let's do that. Let's take a break. I want to come back. Um, we're, again, talking with Kim Giles from ClarityPointCoaching.com. Uh, we're talking about five, six, seven, eight, nine ideas, whatever she can come up with, uh, tools to help us change and create real lasting change in our lives. We'll take a break more with Kim Giles right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us today, Kim Giles, life coach, president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching that you can find at claritypointcoaching.com. Today, she's teaching us about change. She's given us five steps so far to create change in your life. Recognize what is happening, change our perspective, break out of your comfort zone, clean out the clutter of your house and your life, and get outside help. Five quick ways to change. Any others?
8: Yeah. You know, one of the other really important things I've found is that we've got to look at why we're changing. The why matters. Yeah. So if we're changing out of guilt or obligation or because we feel forced to by someone else, the change isn't going to be as positive and it may not even happen. You've got to have the right why that you're changing and it really needs to be a love and passion motivated reason. So I I really have my clients sit down and define why do I want to change? Yeah. Is it just so my wife won't leave me? Or do I want to be different? Do I want to be happier? What's the real reason Because if it's the negative, it may not
2: stick. Like I, don't, I want to change because I don't want my kids to grow up with a bad dad. Yeah. That's different than because I want to be – I want a happier life.
8: I want to be a good influence on my kids. I want yeah. If it's driven more by passion and love, you'll you will be more motivated. Mm -hmm. If it's obligation, which is really what's happening if your wife says change or I'm leaving you, (laughs) (laughs) it's just not got the same power behind it and it won't happen. Well, and
2: then it almost just would breed fear, right? So then every iteration of it is gonna kind of take you back to the same fear.
8: Yeah. And it comes down to you it's you don't want to change. Yeah. You're doing it because you feel like you have yeah, to. I'm
2: totally good with you. Me. <laughs> won't
8: be motivated unless you want to change. That's so true. You know, we see that with just diet and exercise. Yeah. If you're doing it because you should, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to do stick. it because you want this, and you got to want it bad.
2: It's so true.
8: So Man. check your motivation. Yeah. Um, my last one was just don't expect perfection because. What? Change is a process and it takes time. And any time you're trying to change, especially subconscious programming, things you learn from your parents to behave this way and you've behaved this way for 40 years, it's not going to change overnight. This is going to be a process. So give yourself some slack.
2: Well, and every step matters, right? So because the change isn't 1 to 100. It's if you just go from 1 to 1.4 – that one po- that point four increase matters. It's, Absolutely. It's a layer that is yours now. You now own that point four increase. If you just get to two, that's great. You own the two, you own the one point increase it from is one to progress. two. It's progress. And every one of it, it's like otherwise you'll build something that has some big inflated bubble in it that will collapse on you eventually. It's just line upon line.
8: Absolutely. Well, you and I were talking on the break about the four stages yeah. of change, and it's really helped my clients and coaches, to kind of understand these. So the first level is unconsciously incompetent. And this is where most of us are in that we're behaving badly, but we're not really aware of it or why. It's just our programming. Things
2: just are weird. You don't even know why. I mean, it's probably them.
8: But we're functioning from that 95% of our choices being unconscious.
2: You're You're not in charge of it. You don't understand it. And you're incompetent.
8: Yeah, behaving badly. And Which isn't a bad place to be. You think that's just normal. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's kind of nice because you're naive. You're ignorant.
8: You think it's okay that you're <laughs> this way, <laughs> yeah. but it's really not.
2: Exactly. So
8: the first step in changing is to become consciously incompetent. Now, this is where we've explained to you why you're behaving this way and what you're doing and how it's not working. And you're working on it, but you really... You're still behaving badly, but now you see it. And for most of my clients, this is the most painful stage.
2: Ignorance is better. (laughs) That's what people think. Ignorance is better than me now knowing.
8: Yeah. So we teach them how to communicate properly with your spouse, and they keep fighting, and they forget to use the formula that we've taught them. And then they realize it, and they feel like a failure. This stage can be painful, but it's a necessary part of the process of change. You have to move through this stage. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, what we're going to do as we move through is to just keep practicing and doing the best you can. And, like you said, a little improvement here and a little there, the change will come. Yeah. And we're moving towards stage three, which is consciously competent. Now, this is, I'm actually handling the argument with my husband the right way. I'm using the formula, but it is taking a great deal of effort. It's hard. Run through discipline. those stages, yeah. Matt taught me. That's
2: right. Stick to it, stick to it. Discipline, discipline. It still might go sideways, but it's okay. You know why and you know what to do.
8: But you're at least having more successes that you're doing it. It's just taking so much effort. Yeah. But the more that you do that, the easier it gets and pretty soon you find yourself unconsciously competent. And what's happened is this new way of being has become your autopilot. It's now who you are to communicate that way. And this whole process may take years to go through. Yeah. But it's really the only way. You have to go through those steps.
2: And, and some people could be like my wife was born in a way with unconscious competency in in like communicating. She just does it well.
8: Do you think her parents did it well? Yeah, so she I think yeah. It,
2: it she, she was just better at it, and just like she'll just take it on. She'll if there's a problem, let's just talk. She just would do it naturally, but didn't know what she was doing.
8: Yeah, she you know didn't what I mean? have a formula to uh-huh. it. She wasn't following a plan. She must have had great parents yeah. that just
2: Yeah. And I think some of it, it just right. might be even her nature. But then there were times where she would be unconsciously incompetent. Like she'd not she wouldn't know how good she is, but also times she wouldn't know when she just stepped on my toe. You know what I mean about yeah. something emotionally. And then she but when she did and I would, you know, have a problem, she'd just naturally go start working on fixing it. I just I'm amazed at her like, wow. How do you know that? Because yeah. I had to study it to get it.
8: Me too. And, it's and I amazing. know there's a lot of people out there who are thinking, I didn't have parents that knew how to communicate at all. Yeah. So I learned everything wrong. And it can feel kind of overwhelming. Right, right. I mean, we're talking about changing those ingrained patterns. It's, it can be discouraging. But then
2: eventually, you, you. so you're you're just saying, though, you can, whatever level you are, start there, become aware. Start to figure it out, think it through, learn the skills, get the help,
8: get some help,
2: and then process, process, and eventually you can get to a point where it's just you. Yeah, your it is
8: going to come, and we it's natural. It will. Uh-huh.
2: It, it really is, and some of it is just overriding your natural fight or flight. Your natural fight or flight is such a big deal with your relationships or your change or your fears that drive the fight or flight? Well,
8: and I I find we're usually afraid of two things. We're either afraid of failure that we're going to try to change, but we won't be able to, and it would just be safer to stay where we are than Mm -hmm. to try and fail. Right. So we kind of hold back. Or we're afraid of success. And this looks like I'm afraid that I will learn these things and then I'm going to have to be that mature and communicate on that high level the rest of my life. Uh, and I don't know if I can live up uh, to that.
2: I know. <laughs> so it's
8: safer to just stay dysfunctional. Isn't it
2: funny? Because people think it's – I don't – oh, this takes forever. But it really doesn't. Once you're good at being effective and communicative and healthy, every it goes faster. You don't have to hold a grudge for a week.
8: Don't you think it kind of – it requires people, though, to trust us yeah. that you can change and that this works uh-huh. and you're going to get there. I'm, I always have people at the beginning that are just sure they're going to be our first failure <laughs> and it won't work yeah, for them. But totally. I, I promise yep. when you when you follow these steps and you get help from people that know what they're doing, anything can change. I'm sure oh, you've, yeah. oh, you've oh, seen miracles. people mm-hmm. that you – have you had people you've thought, oh, oh I don't know. Maybe, all the time. Maybe like, they can't. Oh, here's
2: the one. <laughs> Here's the one that will never get it. Oh, they got it. Even if they just – because I just found Even if they get half of it.
8: It makes a big difference. Yeah, they're
2: still. twice as good. Yeah. They, so it's just – you don't need to get everything even. Just get what you can and a little bit helps.
8: And you, you'd be surprised at how much easier changes than you think it's going to oh, be yeah. if you follow these steps.
2: Well, and especially cute too because little things like knowing the why and and, um, and and having a guide on the side or whatever, all of those things are additive. Uh, Really, it's powerful. And so they go to your website, Clarity Point Coaching. There is a fear assessment. That you're saying is just a great way to go start to figure out.
8: Well, it'll show you on paper. We're going to email you a free report that shows you exactly what's going on in your subconscious mind, what you're afraid of that's driving the bad behavior that's probably showing up in your life at home and work. And it's free, oh, like it's free. almost it's everything free. on my website. Everything on your
2: website. It's the freest free site per pound. You get more freedom
8: there. So go take it. It's awesome. Yeah. And and Matt, you know, we've got some great free resources about communication skills yeah. and things that will also help you to change.
2: It's all there. Just go start looking at the website, Clarity Point Coaching, and then um, and start reading her 300 plus entries, blog entries, because she's got – nobody writes more than Kim. It's like makes you wonder when she's ever home doing what she's – she's just doing what she loves and she's good at it. Kim, thanks. Thanks. You did it again. Folks, we're going to take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. And happy bagpipe day to you. It is the day of the bagpipe. Let's go down to two of my fine brethren down at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. Happy I am bagpipe William day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. You like it?
7: Yeah, bagpipes, bagpipes are great. The, I the want, bagpipes are
2: I'm going to have them at my funeral. Seriously? I've already told my kids. Nice. Hmm. Every I day.
9: A, I don't want a funeral. I want my kids to save money.
2: <laughs> do you? But just all you got to do is just, you know, pull somebody from the bagpipe school <laughs> that's like needs a thesis or whatever, and they'll just go get some school credit.
7: I listen mm. to the Dan Patrick show pretty uh, frequently. Yeah. And uh, every St. Patrick's Day, he has a local group of bagpipers come into the studio and play. I love that. He's, he's always emotional. I know. Because he's, he's Irish and it you know, means yeah. something to
9: him. But, uh, but see, yeah, I,
7: I love it. I, I think it's one of the most unique, interesting, amazing instruments. That, that
9: song reminded there. me of Brave, the movie Brave.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's
9: a pretty good movie. Is it? Yeah. You should watch it. I
2: haven't watched it for years. Good life lifeless. Well, I think part of what it is is- I'll
9: be shooting for my own hand. <laughs> that was
2: can, perfect. Can you say I, they're magically delicious? No. Okay. Mm-mm.
7: I only have one line. That was I'm not beautiful. Frank Caliendo here. You're not? <laughs> Wait, what?
2: You know what? Honestly, and Jerem, I'm going to have to send it. You remind me of somebody, but I've got to just go find the perfect clip. Because you. the way, anyway, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yes. Uh, do you know Tom?
7: Tom Haverford. Yeah. Yeah, Z's I'm Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: You, you remind, remind me of Tom.
7: You <laughs> of Tom Haberford? Because you always, I don't know you I'm just exactly always, about. you're always
2: like dropping into like a falsetto song. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, sing it. Stu- you're Tom. Haverford.
7: What's, what's the club he owns up? Um, so, uh, uh, club starts. Uh,
2: I can't. Stubio I can't. Six twenty or seven twenty. Seven twenty. Anyway, <laughs> re- every time really I hot. watch that, I'm like, "Oh my heavens, that's Jerem right oh, there." My. Okay. It's hot. I've,
7: ne- I've never gotten that one, but I like.
2: That oh no, 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 no! You you actually remind me of Tom's friend, and Tom reminds me, uh, and Spencer reminds me of Tom. Tom, you remember
7: Tom's friend? Tom's friend, friend? Yeah.
2: yeah, the guy that always d- speaks in rhymes,
7: Jean ralphio <laughs> Yes, <laughs> dude,
2: that is you.
9: Brian's like, what? I have no. Oh,
7: Brian, clue what's going come on, on, man, go
2: watch Parks and I
9: literally just picked up my phone and started. Yeah, do it. To it's it's really media. fun. It's really. He's fun. like Snapchat. What's going on?
2: <laughs> it is, guys. It is. It, it, nobody believes in me, but it is. It is Bagpipe Day, and guess what else happened? Oh, I believe Seventy-two me. years ago today, guess who was born?
7: Seventy-two years ago to today.
2: Born. Not you. Uh-uh. No, that was 74 years ago. Today. One of
9: our engineers?
2: <laughs> nope. Bugs Bunny.
9: Bugs, Bugs Bunny.
2: Bugs Bunny was nice. born 72 years ago today.
9: Nice. You know Bugs Bunny has a basketball shoe made by Jordan?
2: Does he really? Like for a bunny foot?
9: Uh, get your <laughs> get your bunny some shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, Space Jam, the movie yeah? Space that Jam. Yeah, that was a great he, flick. He, yeah, he, uh, jo- or Jordan, Nike, uh, they created a... Uh, one of uh, one of jo- Michael Jordan's shoes, and it has like a red and Jordan Eight is what it's called, red and black and gray, hmm. and, and they call him the the, the Bugs Bunny.
2: Wow, mm-hmm. hey, cool. that is way cool, and it, it's actually uh, might apply to what we're talking about today. Uh, professional video gamers are going to start being tested for doping.
7: I heard this. Oh yeah, yeah. they're they're not athletes. What's the point? I know the Adderall what? will keep you more. It's a huge uh, advantage if you're on
2: Adderall. Time. Some of them are on Adderall drips with an IV drip. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just gaming throughout the night. So you you're saying they're not athletes, Jerem? You Absolutely. are you Absolutely are one not. of them.
7: Absolutely not.
2: Oh boy. Have you ever seen the sweat that they can get just worked up on their little upper lip?
9: Their cramps that you, they get you, with you, their with in their fingers, arthritis. People you, come away with arthritis. Carpal
7: tunnel? Just, yeah. You can't just have a skill. You have to have some like mentally, right? Yeah. You have to have a ph- multiple physical abilities to qualify as an athlete. Really? Yeah. I think that's one like of the Like even though, man. like is a jockey even an athlete? Riding
9: a powerful like if I drive
7: yes, a powerful Yes, they game, are athletes. Athlete?
9: Okay, maybe we could say this. You have to you have to work out physically work out. Physically you you're, have to be able to do something physically. You to, <laughs> no, no, we can't say that because you're playing a game, right? I would say you have to physically work out or prepare to, uh, to compete. Ooh, I know, but... Poker you say, player, not an athlete. Would you say that? Yeah,
2: Fisherman, you not That's an That's interesting. Athlete. Yeah. But see, Can like a, a jockey... Billards. D- is a jockey not an athlete? An athlete?
7: D- d- that one's really debatable. Go, so, so go leg brought, wrestle a jockey. If you, if you control something powerful, are you an athlete? Yes. If I, if I So I'm athletic when I drive a really nice car? No. Well, no.
2: Donald Trump, for example. Major athlete. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah.
2: He controls something powerful.
7: Yeah. Oh, gosh. That okay, man, maybe yeah.
2: you got a point there.
7: This is all based on you you thought know, this Colin through. Cowherd had this discussion, ESPN Radio, soon to be Fox Sports. Hmm. Really interesting discussion about who's an athlete. It, if, even more interesting, what's a sport? Oh, my god. What,
9: that's what it really comes what's down to. What's a sport to? is, oh! Oh, uh, see. It's so tough. You can make almost anything a sport. Oh,
2: absolutely.
9: If there's a winner but you're not a, athletic. If there's a winner and a loser, it could be a sport.
2: Yeah. Again, ESPN will soon be making more money probably on video gaming than a lot of their other sports that they won't even show anymore. Yeah. I'm telling you. There will be a day.
7: If you're on ESPN, you're not necessarily an athlete. Spelling bee. Not
2: an athlete. All the
9: NCAA (laughs) uh, college athletes will be making money soon as well. Yes. Did you hear about that?
2: No. Is that true? Yeah. I think it should. In addition
9: to the stipend? This, yeah. No. So all the all the former athletes, college football athletes, that uh, were featured. Yeah. Um. On, yeah, on, yeah. On EA Sports, the um, you know, the the college football game, uh, they're looking to to pay them back.
2: Great. For that.
9: So. A lot yeah. of dough, man. It's yeah.
2: about time.
7: A- a- and l- listen, if it's like one billion dollars, it'd be like. Five for everyone. Five dollars for oh, everybody. Yeah, it'd, be like, it'd be like, yeah, it's not, not going to be that much. I heard like Brian, the reason Brian's bringing this up is because his image was used <laughs> in two different versions Lydia's of games.
9: NCAA college football.
7: Yeah. Oh, see, my, that's I, not my,
9: fair. I, I was actually my image, my jersey was actually on the back cover for going at, for the 2010 game. Was but it really telling the full story with that picture? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was against TCU, uh, hated, <laughs> hated rival in the uh, Mountain West. Yes, and I'm actually getting. My ankle's broken. Uh, uh, I'm getting juked. You I got juked. I'm falling down. I, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, looked, I look pretty bad. See, they
7: ridiculous. should have paid
2: you double because yeah, you got de Right. Because,
7: because it's visual uh, slander. Yeah.
2: That's exactly <laughs> what I got. It's
7: visual libel. Uh-huh. Because yeah. that really a, never really
2: happened. That could never happen to Brian Logan.
9: No, no, not never, never, miss, never miss a tackle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if they would have th- shown it, like me getting beat for a touchdown deep, then yeah, that's happened. Yeah, that's happened. But but I that was just tackles, lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Man. Heck,
7: are you, yeah.
2: Are you guys still doing your show today?
9: Every day. Now,
7: with Spencer, it might be in question, okay? <laughs> <laughs> when When Brian's here, it is on like Donkey yeah. Kong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the most underrated game on BYU's 2015 schedule. Oh, there are wow. a lot of really good games, but what's the most underrated hmm. game? Brian and I differ in this, but okay. that's Twitter question. Okay? That's a good discussion. Michael Lisa will win. Also, we'll talk about some Dennis Pitta news related to his injury, uh, as well as... Uh, BYU has another basketball game announced. They haven't announced themselves their games, but other people are announcing their schedules. So BYU is showing up on them. In fact, there are six games we know of. We'll tell you those hmm. uh, coming up on the show. Plus, what's Bronco Hall doing in Costa Rica?
2: Oh, I mm. bet he's, he's probably building a summer home.
9: Building a summer home, yeah. Like a service mission?
7: Uh, yeah. Obviously, We're, he's, he's working on, on vacation, his, but yeah.
2: he's, he's doing something else. He's helpful. working what's on that? his tan.
9: Yep, he's gotten that down.
2: That's what and I'd the be blonde,
7: doing. And the blonde hair. I'm mm-hmm. yes. trying to get his blonde hair up for the season. <laughs> it blonde It yeah. gets way blonde in the summer that does. dude's outside a lot. Yeah. See? Surfing and whatnot. Oh, man. Like I'm just, just going to call water.
2: Holly, who's one of our new correspondents on the Matt Townsend show. Yeah, She'll hurry tell up. You. She'll shoot me the truth. Then I'm going to call in on your show. Anyway. <laughs> just throwing it you'll out there
7: in, you'll be our first caller I'll ever. call in ever first yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright
2: I'd like to get in please I'd like to get in please On. The, I'd like to get on the show hey uh, okay I'm gonna let you go to your show then Brian thanks for helping Jerem along
9: uh, you know it's what I do it's what uh, you know Jesus Christ our Savior called us to do help others so you know what and speaking again, of 40 days until BYU at Nebraska w-
2: mm. were we speaking of that yeah, 40 okay, days. 40
9: okay. days. It's yeah, 40 days. a significant number in the Bible. It's, yeah.
2: a, it's a great 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Is it wow. 40 days and 39 nights? I don't know. <laughs> don't ask questions. I don't don't ask questions. Good job, guys. <laughs> Have a great show. Love you. Go, love you, too. See you, kids. Sort that out. Um, great stuff. Man, 40 days. That they, they, Now they've got me wondering. 40 days, 40 nights. That's the biblical reference. Hey, we always like to talk about the heroes as we wrap the show up. One of the great uh, stories coming out of that tragic shooting in the, at the Louisiana Theater, if you remember, was uh, the, the heroic moves and uh, by by one teacher. Listen to this: When John Russell Hauser opened fire on a movie theater audience in Lafayette, uh, one teacher took a bullet for her colleague, who in turn pulled the theater's fire alarm to notify authorities in the midst of the shooting in Lafayette. It, you know, it was crazy. Chaos going on. Teacher Jenna uh, Lenon Moe reportedly covered and took a bullet for a colleague, Ali Vieter Martin, who then pulled the theater's fire, fire alarm and notified authorities. The act of heroism came after the 59-year-old John Russell Hauser stood up during the screening of Trainwreck and fired 13 rounds into the audience, wounding nine and killing two. Then he killed himself. Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal recounted Martin and Moe's acts at the news conference. He said he learned about the two during his visit with victims at the hospital. As bullets were flying in the crowded theater, Moe, one teacher, reportedly jumped in front of the other and took a bullet for her. Her friend literally jumped over her and, in her account, actually saved her life, Jindal said. If she hadn't done that, that bullet, she believed, would have hit her in the head. Ugh. Both were shot in the legs. Martin then managed to get uh, over to the fire alarm and set it off, which they believe saved many lives that day. Is that crazy or what? Folks, crazy time. And uh, heroes are made in those crazy moments. And again, there's good in the world. So we want to do a special shout out to those two wonderful teachers who saved each other and many other lives And they are the heroes of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. That's the show, my friends. Again, we can't uh, do it without you. So thanks for joining us Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern time. Stick with us again tomorrow. We'll be back. More ideas, more tools to help you and those you love uh, create healthier, happier lives. Until tomorrow, watch out for each other and make it a great one.